Welcome to Studio Kitchen Colorado, home of the modern eater, Juan Padro, sitting in for Greg Hollenbeck. Episode four or five for me, it's been pretty awesome and we got an incredible show today. I'm super excited, co-hosting with my good friend, my business partner, Ben Higgins. Uh, so we're gonna, we have a lot to talk about, but we're gonna, we're gonna start out with Dave Hadley. How you doing, man? How's it going, brother? It's great to see you. Good seeing you. Yeah, and Dave owns a samosa shop, You've got some TV to talk about, yeah. uh, and we got some entrepreneurship. I think we're going to talk a little bit about. Yeah, today. dude, I would love I would love to talk yeah. about that. Um, so, what's up, guys? Uh, I have the samosa shop that I've been doing right now. Uh, the big thing is, uh, I'm finally bringing some good Indian food back to Denver. I mean, for me, this is the representation of like the food from my heart, yeah. and I think there needs to be that place in Denver for that. Um, you know, we, we, we all have Indian food here that we like, or we, we, we really go to that's, that's our normalized thing that we like or our curries that we, that we love. And for me, it's trying to bridge that gap between Americanized food yeah. and, and Indian food. Yeah. So and you grew up, you grew up in New Jersey, right? Yeah. Okay. So tell me about your upbringing and how, the, how did you get into food and like, you so, have a ton of passion. So yeah, I, man. I so understand it's crazy. Where all this is coming from. It's crazy. Luckily, luckily for me, my dad, it comes from uh, the West Indies. We have, mm -hmm. we're from St. Vincent, mm -hmm. the Trinidad and Tobago area. Mm -hmm. And then my mom is from South India, from Kerala. And we grew up in a family full of six people. Uh, I lived with my grandma till I was about 13 years old. So during my life, all the way till I was 13, I lived with my grandmother on my mom's side. She was cooking all that food in my house. Meanwhile, okay. I'm talking like my mom and dad used to tell her, you need to go outside and cook fried fish in your little fryer <laughs> outside because that would smell up the whole place, right? And I, and I have my yeah. friends coming over when we were younger and I'm, I'm out there like trying to be like, guys, you know, don't worry about my family smelling in the kitchen mm. and like, let's just go to, let's just go to the sunroom. Now it's a whole different story, you know? So fried fish, what else? What are some of the things that fried fish, that bring uh, we, did, back? we did fresh bread. We used to do chicken curry, a lot of veggies, a lot of things with coconut. Um, for where we're from in the South, in South India, we don't use a lot of meat. Um, it's a lot of uh, seafood, a lot of veggies, coconut based because we don't have a lot of dairy, no refrigeration, things like that. So for us or for me, luckily growing up in a culture that, you know, my family was cooking from both sides of, of uh, my culture, South Indian food and from St. Vincent. So I had the cr curry goat mm -hmm. yeah. and then I had so there's curry chicken, you know? Th there is influence from the Caribbean side in your food? Correct. Um, okay. That's kind of my goal is to really bring my story, my food story through these little samosas. Um, and that's kind of what this is, is for example, like I have my cornbread samosa that I'm going to give you guys today mm -hmm. that has a little bit of Chinese sausage, scallions. Um, that used to be my great aunts from my West Indian side, her family recipe. So I basically took that, mixed it all up with the samosa filling, put that inside of her samosa and now giving people, you know, little, little right. loves, little locks of love that I, I that love I it. Say, you know? I love it. I like the, I, you know, the, the whole samosa shop idea to me is, is really cool. And I think it's attractive to millennials. I think they were really going to in, get introduced to a cool new cuisine yeah. that they may not be familiar with, especially on the, uh, you know, kind of where we are in Colorado, like on the coast, much more popular food. Yeah, man. California, East coast, New Jersey, New, Jer uh, New York, LA, Miami, Florida, you're going to find Indian spots, right. Indian pockets. And what's funny, when I worked at, with Bijou, uh, Bijou's little curry shop, we, when we first started a couple of years ago, just seeing how many, the Indian population, what we have here in Colorado, mm -hmm. it's not small, but right. it's not huge. It's not, it's not, you know, as big as it is in New York City. Right. So my idea is to bring those flavors here and make it cool. I yeah. mean, 
I'm sure you like an, a dumpling spot or you have an empanada spot, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is the perfect vehicle, at least in my mind, to, to gain attraction or something that could, people could just bite and take with them to go. You're from Indiana, mm -hmm. right? So talk to me about like where you grew up and the types of food. I mean, are you rural Indiana? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because a lot of the food there is fried. Um, it's a lot of fried foods, heavy, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have a, we have a huge ag population. So a, a lot of the restaurants are set up for huge portions. Like you're going into a restaurant, get a big portion and you're getting your meat and your potatoes and you're super Midwestern, super Midwestern. Yeah. And, uh, and so there wasn't like, it wasn't until Denver that I really got exposed to uh, cuisine that like not only kind of satisfied my desire to like be full, like, to, you know, when I'm like, when I really am hungry and be full, that's an Indiana thing. But also, like, to try new flavors. You said something a little bit ago, and, and, and Juan's the food expert here. Uh, but it was really interesting to me, and I've always wanted to ask a chef this. You said you want to really take American Indian cuisine and kind of, like, tr like infuse it together to make it something new. Like, yeah. when, when you start to do that, when your creative process starts to think about that, like, how does that work in your mind when you say, I'm going to take these two things and make them one? It, it's crazy you say that. I mean, I think about my, me growing up, right? I'm from New Jersey. Um, what did my friends like eating when we grew up? We liked bacon, egg, and cheese, right? Yeah. Ta or Taylor ham, bacon, egg, and cheese sandwiches. Yeah, and for me, um, I think when I saw, when I started these farmer's markets this summer at, with yeah. uh, the night market crew, I, I, I saw a bunch of kids running around and for me i wanted to get those kids to start eating my samosa and for me thinking about what would connect the flavors that i know but recognizable to americanized flavors uh -huh. well the best thing i know to do is put that bacon egg and cheese okay. inside of the samosa and start bringing it to people um sort of like almost like translational like okay you don't know what a samosa is but you do know what bacon egg and cheese boom. is so it's not going to be as intimidating and hopefully as they acquire a taste and they, you know, they like what they're eating. They get to eat with their hands. They get to break things open. They get dipping sauces. All the three all chutneys are stuff. the same. I don't right. change the sauces, which is mm -hmm. also Indian inspired. So it gets these, these young children or young, you know, young minds to start thinking that Indian food is not something that you have to think about when you go out yeah. or one day of the month. This could start being normalized food through all generations, through yeah. all type of cuisine, mm. just like rice and beans for us. You know, right. rice and dal is the same thing that we would do with rice and beans. And that's what we grew up on. That's a yeah. staple. Yeah. Well, that's what people want. To, that's, what, that's that home food that people really yeah. enjoy yeah. and they it's love. Like soul, you know? we, we've been talking a lot about soul food this week. And, yeah. and it's, you know, when we think of soul food, we think of like barbecue, southern, all that kind of stuff. But this is soul food, man. Yeah, dude. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy because when I, when I started this whole samosa thing, I, I wanted, I, I remember going to India with my family for my, my cousin's wedding and seeing these um, men on the side of the streets just in their little stalls, but so many people with big walks full of samosas and them crazy. just selling it and just selling yeah. and selling. And at that point, it's not about what, it's not about the selling or anything. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, it's not about, it's really not about how much money I make anymore. It's now, this is finally food from the soul and from the heart that is mine. This represents yeah. me. It's an expression of you. Exactly. Which, is, which exactly. is really cool. So let's talk a little bit about TV. Yeah. Right? You were on the Food Network, and yet we have a new show. We have a new show. So Supermarket Stakeout, Supermarket debuting Stakeout. tomorrow on the Food Network. Tomorrow on the Food Network. I will be on the Food Network tomorrow uh -huh. at 8 p.m. Uh, Mountain Standard Time. 10 p.m. Eastern. Um, it's a competition show. Um, Alex Gornishelli, Iron Chef Gornishelli, is the uh, host of the whole show. There's basically, I mean, it, it, it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, 
us, four, comp four competitors, run up to the store with people in their carts with random ingredients. You, need to, you have $500 to basically bid against all your other chefs to get their ingredients. Okay. You don't know what's in the basket. You don't know what's in their basket. But there's a theme that's given to you in the, in the beginning of your whole yeah. you know, round. And you have to create food that represents the theme. There's you know, stipulations between each yeah, round, right. only certain number so of people you could get, all that fun stuff. And for me, sound, I'm a competitive guy. Sounds exciting. It's I, so yeah, much we're, fun, we're you know? I don't, I don't know if you know this, but this guy was on TV show once. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I do. I <laughs> think it I didn't do. take any skill. Yeah. Um, like it took you to be on this, but I was on it. How did you get on the show? Um, funny story. Uh, back in the day, I was actually with di uh, Diners, Drives, and Dives with Bijou's Little Curry yeah. Shop. Okay. And this is in 2013. 2000, um, 2014, 2015. And then 2016, 2017, I ended up getting producers to come see me at uh, my own restaurant that I was working at, and I went on Chopped. Okay. I ended up winning Chopped in 2017, went back for Chopped Champions. Um, I don't like talking about losing. I don't like talking about winning either, because you know, we don't like to talk about any of that stuff. But yeah. hey, what, it, it only helps you to lose, yeah. to then go on and do something. The Tom Brady you know, of again, samosas. You know? okay. That's right. So, Let's eat something real quick, guys. Let, ben, let's get you in really quick on yeah. some of this. No, I would we, love to. Real quick, uh, I mean, I know a lot of people out there really uh, know their food, and, and you guys obviously do yourself. What is a samosa? Oh, good question. I love this. All right, so a samosa to me is a, a pastry-filled something, right? It's a, it's a vehicle for um, a bunch of potatoes, peas, carrots, dates. Um, it could be anything, and I mean... I don't know when people say what is an empanada right. uh, what do you say do you say it's just a depending on where it is yeah it's just it's a, it's a, it's a stuffed pocket of deliciousness <laughs> yeah, <it's a> stu <laughs> yeah like what is a dumpling yeah. i don't know it's a stuffed pocket of deliciousness that's right and, and for me this i believe is the perfect vehicle as we move forward in our you know like you were talking millennials yeah. and something new and different we have empanada shops we have dumpling shops samosa why shop. don't we have a samosa shop okay. you know so this is it cool. so so you have on the left side, on the left side, yep. you have some cornbread okay. and a little bit of Chinese sausage. And these are under the vegan, um, my vegetarian ones that I really like serving. These are the number one seller. You have a tamarind date chutney, a cilantro mint chutney. And I saw Brother Luck brought you some scorpion sauce, he right? Did. Well, this is a scorpion sauce, but this is from the islands of where I come from, the West Indies. Okay. So we have a scorpion pepper right. from the West Indies. Yeah, it's a different Maybe color. Maybe different, right? See that? It's a different color. That We also sell these bottles and stuff. I'm going to leave it for you guys here at the, awesome. at the Modern Eater. But, um, so cornbread you know, and Cornbread vegan. and the vegan ones. You have a cilantro mint chutney. You have a... Uh, so let me see if I can crack this over Yeah, there. get in it. Ooh, yeah. I mean, how hot is this? Yeah, that looks great. How hot is it? You're gonna try it with that yellow. You see that yellow sauce? It right it's here. not that hot. The flavor is what's the flavor is what's going making you go mm. back. You know, got a good no. crunch. What are you talking? It's pretty hot. hot. <laughs> is it hot? <laughs> all right. Never mind. It's hot. <laughs> all right. Dipping uh, with all I, the other I stuff. Dipping with dipping with all the green and into the, what? Into the yellow when he said it wasn't that. That's hot. what so that these is. Two, yeah. These two are the the tamarind date chutney and the cilantro mint <laughs> chutney, or what you usually. What you and know, it's delicious. Is it good flavor? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's got oh, this like that flavor that lingers in my mouth that I love. That's the whole. I don't love like the ruin your palate hot. I want flavor. You know, I want that to really bring out other flavors too. Of course, of course. So, okay. so then you have a tamarind date chutney that's sweet, mm. and you have a cilantro mint chutney that's the fresh herbs. I make those yeah. fresh every time that I go do these pop-ups. Um, the theme today was hangover food because of the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, oh, good point. This is actually pretty banging <laughs> yeah <laughs> it sucks up anything mm -hmm. i mean this stuff this is awesome and i love like yeah you look you inside of it 
And it, yeah, I went vegan. Yeah. Um, when you look inside, I mean, there's so much going on inside here. Yeah, man. Uh, so that's, I'm glad that you see hey, that. Dave, Ooh, and you put really in the good. sauce back like you this like it really or something because it's hot. Yeah. It's one of those things. Yeah. Look at that. It's a good spice. Um, um, yeah, so in, inside of the samosas, usually samosas, everyday ones that you could get in the stores, those have potatoes, peas, cumin. That is the everyday samosa, okay? Right. Potatoes, pea, and cumin. To me, that's boring, okay? Yeah. To me, every single samosa is potato, pea, any, and yeah, cumin. Yeah, you can put anything right? in there, though, right? You can put anything yeah. in there. For me, it also goes back to the spices, right? Uh, we use my, my family <clears throat> spice blend inside of the vegan one. It has potatoes, peas, carrots, dates, raisins, apricot, the fruit, yeah. all of that brightness in I the vegan one. I am shocked at how light and fluffy this is. Yes, I'm glad I mean, you like that. I'm, I'm glad you understand. Um, this one, this one has got a little bit of, you know, all the potato in there is not heavy and dense. No, yeah. it's not supposed to how be does that. that. How, how does that work though? How does um, so, so there's just a lot of, you know, old school French techniques of how to make mashed potatoes yeah. turning into Indian food, right? I went right. to, the, I went to CIA in New York, yeah. had a great, crazy culinary journey of, right. of learning. But it's taking all of those basics. And, and you've worked basics. at a lot of like high-end restaurants, right? Yeah, man. I, I, I've, lucky, I've been lucky enough to be blessed to work in some great restaurants. Oh, I've geez. done some Michelin stars in Thailand. Um, I've been able to stage around the country. Did in, I see in you staged at Gagan? Yeah, I was actually there for a couple months. I, really? I, I actually got to stay there longer. You wow. know, it's one, of those, it's one of those things where you get, if you, if you go for your three I months. Mean, that's a world-class world Yeah, man. It was, it was a blessing in disguise because yeah. I... You know, talking just like you and I, yeah. I got to speak to Gagan like yeah. that. And he would tell me honestly how my food is. And, and for me, I really believe that this is how to do it. This is how to get those flavors out there. Um, yeah. And yeah, man, like, you know, working at a Michelin, you know, working yeah. at a Michelin starred and, and that intensity, um, you know, you get three months to work with a man or any, anybody in those restaurants. And in those three months, if you could show that you have some sort of quality that they want to keep in you, mm -hmm. they're going to ask you to stay for another month longer. And from then on, it, you know, I'm lucky enough for me, I stayed out there for six, seven months before I was like, my visa was up and I had to right. come back before, you yeah. know, well, that's amazing. Crazy, I love all that, you know, the, the fact that you, you've always continued to learn, I think education is such a, you know, huge part of this, right? And you're, you're, you're taking what you've learned at CIA and uh, down at Gagan and, and staging at all these restaurants and working at places like Acorn in Denver with great chefs like mm. Amos and, yep. and um, Russ. Yeah, and Steve Redzikowski Steve and guys like that that are just incredible. And then you say, hey, you know what? I mean, I'm inspired to do something that reminds me of my childhood. I want to introduce people to, you know, my family's food, my culture's food, yep. and I'm going to do it in an innovative, fun way. And I just, you know, the story is great. What yep. just happened? Yeah, what was well, that? What I just did is I dropped some curry leaves in there, okay? You guys are going to taste that inside of this beef dish that I made. Okay. 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 What I have in here, so you guys can all see, a uh, little bit of garam masala, toasted coconut, cilantro, um, and, fried, and fried onions. And basically what's about to happen is this is a dish that we in India call Kerala beef deep fry, okay? Um, it's a drinking dish. Kerala? Kerala, Kerala, like Kerala the, where I'm from. Oh, actually, that's where Bijou's from. Too. Yeah, that's where Bijou's yeah. from. Actually, this that's is kind perfect. of like the beach area. This is perfect. This is perfect. For, <coughs> I brought this for educational purposes. Yeah. Look at this, everybody. I want everyone to see this. I don't know how tall you could get, but India is so big. Look at this region, right? Most of the right. most of the food that everyone eats is up here. I live right. My my family is down in the right right in the corner in the island, like right, right in the right in the base, right by the water. You know, yeah. this is what most people eat Indian food is like, yeah. you know, North Indian Rogan Josh, uh, butter chicken, tikka masala, all those right. things. 
that's not where we that's not where we come from you know right. we eat something a little lighter a little different yeah. and this is what it is i love it so this beef what does a drinking beef, dish mean you said that drinking dish i love that i love that drinking dish so where my culture where i'm from in kerala we have this specific drink called toddy i don't know if they have that in puerto rico but it's no. coconut liquor okay? okay it's basically derived from the coconuts from the palm, from the sap of the tree. You have men that are up there that climb up the tree, take a little bit of yeast. Scale they scale the coconut tree, yeah. right? They scale the coconut tree, they got a little bit of yeast, they put it up in their palm, in the, in the heart of palm, right? Heart of palm, mm -hmm. like how we would eat heart of palm. Yep. They put the yeast there, and all of a sudden the yeast starts to create um, a liquor. And the liquor gets collected, the liquor then gets fermented, and you start drinking that. And that shit? Strong. Yeah. That is, <laughs> that is called, this is the toddy food, right? And yeah. toddy is the drink. <clears throat> and in South India, where we come from, this is it. These stories are incredible. Oh, okay? dude, yeah, it's and incredible. The idea for this is, Ben, yeah. um, my sister is a huge fan. Oh, okay? nice. I just want to let you know, my sister's a huge fan. Um, you need to eat this beef dish with this fresh bread, which you guys saw made earlier today, the prata, yeah. which is layered bread. Um, it's not like naan because it's not done in tandoor. More like a made roti. With, made with like a roti. Like the idea is to take this, rip some off, take a little bit of that, eat some of that, and I'll throw a little bit more finishing salt on there and a lime because I know we like lime. And is this a spicy dish? This is not spicy. Okay. Any of this, this stuff is, go with it? You could put it on there if you'd like. Nah. The idea is just plain old, rip that up, tear Good. some beef in there, enjoy that because I really think that you guys will see the flavor. That's beautiful though. It's yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's, and this is the street food that I, this is a street food that I would eat. And, um, you know, for people asking, where can I get this beef dish? Well, you could get these samosas with me at any of the pop-ups that I do around town. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the beef, like super flaky. the beef dish I do, I try to do kitchen takeovers or, you know, take over a bar mm. every month. And this month is going to be at Brass Tax on the 21st. I love it. Sunday, the 21st. I'm going to be taking over Brass Tax from 5 to 10 mm. p.m. So you'll be able to get this beef mm. dish there and a couple other cool stuff that mm. I do. Really cool textures and flavors. Yeah, man. <clears throat> oh, yeah. A little crunchy. Got some coconut in there. Yeah, I love it. Mm. That, the, uh, the batter, I don't know if that's the right word. Like what you fried it, what, what you coated so it crazy. in. Free. Gluten-free. Right. I was going to say, it's, it's so, right. it's light, it's fresh. It's not like an Indiana, like, heavy, you know, fried batter. No, this is no, it, it, it's, actually, it's funny that you said that because uh, I like to make it as gluten-free as possible. I don't know how well it is with the fried onions, but uh, we, the, the, the actual beef is dredged in a little bit of rice flour to give it that lightness with the yeah. garam masala, coconut oil. Um, and, mm. yeah, man, that's, this, is, this is the food from me right and it's hard to find that right now where we're at in COVID times so for us um and i'm sure denise would love to talk about this at some point she's a avid uh, avid um visitor of our night markets she is okay. um and i think maybe we should yeah, that'd be cool to talk about night market 100%. because it's a it's a cool thing that since covid incredible you know since covid a lot of us have lost our jobs mm -hmm. um we are kind of <clears throat> all trying to figure out what is the next plan what right. to do what 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 is what can we do and uh yeah, you know clawing and scratching yeah man Claw, clawing so and scratching cool. is what is what what we've been doing and a lot of us our local makers from denver we all kind of created this little 
um, night market that Ben, you gotta come by to one, brother. Love it, to. It's it's pretty crazy. It's 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 just fun, and we try to do you, you know very all safe. You do, just keep feeding him. Yeah. Anytime, <coughs> brother. Anytime. That's what he wants. You know, yeah. There's it, the, it, it, it's just cool. We we do something that's social <laughs> distance. Um, we make it accessible for everybody. We kind of take over different yep. spots for Green, Infinite Monkey Theorem, but it's every other weekend now or every week where you could look up Night Market and it's local makers from all of Denver. That so wait, wait, where am I finding this online? Nightmarket.com? Night Market Denver. So you can look Market up Denver. N, you know, so Night Market actually with no vowels, I think it's N-T-M-R-K okay. Market or Good something like that. Whatever, whatever. Yep. One of those. Night Market. Um, and it's just all of us that are just trying to get together and, and, and build a community of people that are looking to be appreciated, right? Right, Because we talk about entrepreneurs and, yeah. and you being the, the food guy, you know, being appreciated your staff. Some mm -hmm. of us haven't after COVID, so we wanted to figure out a way to do it. Luckily for me, I got on a group with great people, sell kimchi, we do teas, we do chimichurri, uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, and for me, this Sounds is where- experiential. Yeah, man, right, this really is where cool. I love yeah. doing my samosa <clears throat> shop pop-ups and I love being able to provide it for the community <clears throat> there. Um, because it's a good place for everyone to come try out. Killer. Well, Man. awesome. Sweet. Ben, what do you think? Ben, what's your uh, review? What's the review? I mean, it's, this is incredible. I'm, I really loved uh, the vegan samosa because it was. It was light. It was fresh. Um, but it had a ton of flavors going on. You had like, I mean, with the spice, you had still the, like the figs, the raisins, the dates, whatever was yeah. in there. Um, but this surprised me, man. This is good stuff. It's... I, this I'll, is I'll awesome. Back. I look. I look forward to talking more about it when we get back. Uh, we have Denise Mickelson coming on the show. Uh, we're going to stay here with Chef David Hadley and Ben Higgins. We're going to head to break now and looking forward to this next segment. Hey, <laughs> what's going on, everybody? This is Brother Luck from Lucky Dumpling, for by Brother Luck in Colorado Springs, and I am rocking with the Modern Eater. You're watching them. You're tasting them. You're knowing everything there is to know about Colorado. <laughs> Hi, Charlie from Brews Beers here. Our new Belgian Abbey Four Pack is a mixed package of the four core beers made in Abbey and Trappist breweries in Belgium. So we have a single, a double, a triple, and a quadruple in one package. Now, quadruples are the emperors of Belgian monastery ales. They're dark in color, uh, with a dense tan head and alcohol ranging from 8 to 12 percent. So they're pretty strong. Quadruples are very rich and complex with big maltiness, uh, spice, and flavors of raisins, cherries, and plums. Alcohol is apparent in the mouthfeel, but not overwhelming, uh, even at 10.5 percent ABV. So the finish is long, complex, and dry, and they're great beers anytime, by themselves or with hearty foods. Pick up your Abbey Four Pack at either Brews location, 67th and Pecos, or at Colfax in York, and at fine liquor stores throughout the Denver metro area. Take home some Belgian-style badassery today. Watching the Modern Eater, and now back to the show. Oh, uh, back to the show in just a second, you guys. But before we do that, it is Jeff Rourke and A Plus Beverage Solutions time. If you're somebody who's in the business, you have a restaurant, you want to put your tap lines in. There's nobody better 
than Jeff Rourke and A-Plus Beverage Solutions. 720-272-3809. That's who you call. Just call Jeff. He's got over 20 years in the business. He's got companies that fly him all over the, the country <laughs> to install, quiet please, to install tap lines uh, for uh, you know restaurants, bars. Whether it's water, it's coffee, it's wine, it's obviously beer, nitro is, is something that's, that's hanging around. This is your guy, Jeff Rourke at A-Plus Beverage Solutions, man. He's a family man, over 20 years in the business. Just call Jeff. It's 720-272-3809. I'll say it one more time so you can get a pen or get your phone and get to typing it in there. It's 720-272-3809. It's Jeff Rourke and A-Plus Beverage Solutions. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Studio Kitchen Colorado, home of the modern eater. Juan Padro in for Greg Hollenbeck with my co-host Ben Higgins, Chef David Hadley. We're soon to be joined by Denise Mickelson, editor of 5280 Magazine. And we have another really cool thing happening a little bit later. We have the folks from Culinary Quick Start Program, Blake Stein and Marcus Eng coming in to cook us some pho, which is also pretty exciting. Denise, how are you? Hi, Denise. Hi, Denise. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to see you. I hope I'm not late. You're not, you're not late. late. You're, actually, your timing is absolutely perfect. Oh, excellent. Yeah, so I'm excited to have you on. I want to, you know, you, you cover food all over the state of Colorado. Um, this has been a crazy last 12 months uh, for the food industry. Um, you know, what can you tell us? What are some of the things that you saw out there that were inspirational that, that uh, you want to bring to people's attention? Oh, my God. I was getting ready for, to talk to you guys. I was looking back, and I scrolled through everything we've you know written about online and and i i swear i feel a little traumatized you know more than i as a restaurant owner man this year has been ugh, this year has been intense but there's been a lot of silver linings and you know everyone in colorado they collaborate and they pull together and everybody is there to support each other i don't see it happening like this in any other city i really don't wow. um, yeah I agree. So, and, and, and you and I, when we talked about it, you know, this the other day that you coming on the show, you know, we talked about the fact that there's a whole ecosystem as well. It's not just restaurants and restaurants, you know, rightfully so are getting talked about the most because they're getting hit hard. But there are other people getting hit hard. There's this whole ecosystem. There's bakers and there's artisans and, you know, there's just all kinds of stuff. Right? And, yeah. and then, you know, how it trickles out and it, you know, the, the ripple effect and it yeah. spreads to people that provide the linens for restaurants and, you know, all edges. There are so many millions of workers in this country that are intricately tied to uh, the restaurant industry. You know, everybody, everybody is still uh, struggling and working to get there, but there's some really inspiring things happening. You know, you were telling me one of the main conversations that you've been having this week on the show is about philanthropy mm-hmm. and even outside of restaurants. You, do you know about the Denver community fridges? Um, no, tell me about that. Campaign that's happening right now. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Tell, tell the audience so a little bit about cool. that. I did see this. It's, it's very cool. It's so cool. A very amazing human um, whose name I wrote it down, Eli Zane, came, moved here a few years ago, I think even like less than two years ago, and was seeing our unhoused population, right? We know mm-hmm. that you drive around Denver and you see there are many unhoused people now more than ever. Plus, there are all these, you know, hospitality workers that are out of work and might be struggling to feed themselves. So where our food banks are being crushed right now and expecting to do more and more and more, there's these small little grassroots endeavors. So um, Eli got together with other volunteers, it's all volunteer led and they are 
working with local artists and they're creating these amazing community refrigerators. Um, there's a handful of them up. There's one, let's see, Mutiny Information Cafe on South Broadway, Base Coat Nail Salon in Five Points, Huckleberry Roasters in Sunnyside and Amethyst Coffee Co. in Berkeley all have these beautifully painted refrigerators outside of them that are open 24-7, volunteer managed and filled. Um, and you can go and you can help stock. You follow it on Instagram and you go put in, you know, you decide I'm going to donate a bag of produce or, you know, some juice boxes or anything you want. So this isn't just um, restaurants donating this stuff. It's actually just members yeah. of the community, generally speaking. It's actually regular, normal people. And in fact, one of the interesting things, um, if restaurant, obviously restaurant people are watching this show, um, what they're hoping for is more actual restaurant folk and people with licensed okay. commercial kitchens to pr make prepared meals and put them in the fridges. Mm. Because myself, I can't, the rules say that I cannot make a lasagna and go package it up and put it in the fridge. I don't have a commercial kitchen. Um, so I can go and donate canned goods and perishable items and non-perishable items, but they're looking for more people with commercial kitchens to donate actual prepared meals. You know Penelope Wong of yes. the One yep, Food Truck. Well. She she has been cooking and filling fridges. So um, it's yep. just a really wonderful grassroots thing. So that no matter what, twenty four seven all access, anyone who's hungry can go in and get something to eat for free. That's incredible, Ben. I know philanthropy is yeah. center to who you are. It's interesting because right kind of right when the pandemic hit, I was talking to you and right away, one of the first responses was, how can we help? You know, um, and I, I mean, I think this is a really hard question to ask, but you two are both very, I mean, all of you are very ingrained in this community. Why? Like, what is it about Denver that that's the first response? Mm. Um, because right away, you're sharing story after story with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Denise? I think it's unbelievable. It's so Denver, right? Everybody steps in and helps out. I mean, you know, the Skokins, Eric and Jill Skokin out in Boulder, the fires were threatening their home after they suffered a terrible, tragic accident and, um, you know, lost their son this past year. And, and the community got together and literally saved their farm from the fires. Oh, wow. I mean, it's just story after story from GoFundMes to, you know, just the community banding together. Think about feeding the frontline, you know, there's so, there were so many stories over the last year of restaurant people getting together to help, you know, those that were hungry or in need and then just regular community members. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's very Colorado. We're so I lucky I think we're going to have here. to put some samosa or some of this beef in some of these so, refrigerators. So, you know, it's crazy, Denise. Uh, <laughs> we're actually, for Night Market, we're going to be doing a nice box setting up for the community fridges. Um, yeah, we are, which is kind of cool. But also, yeah, I mean, I want to do quarts of, of curry, like warm curry, especially for people. Like, well, obviously, it's going to be cold, but some samosas, something. And it's crazy to see. I, I'm, I live close to the Five Points one um, at, the, at the Base Coat Nail Salon. And to see how many people, you know, so, so they're support. actually getting used. Oh man, it's yeah. it's getting used, and yeah. you could t and like like Denise saying, go on the Instagram, and they'll show pictures of empty fridges of what they need help <clears> with, right? Got it. So for me, someone that has access to Restaurant Depot, I'm gonna go buy a case of apples, right? Yeah, a case, know. a thirty dollar case of apples for you know that's that's the donation, and, and apples are healthy, and why not give some right. people good, yeah. you know, who, depending on people that need it, right. they need something that's good. Denise, where, where do you find information on these community refrigerators? I, on that and just everything going on in town, I find Instagram the most helpful. Okay. I think Twitter is interesting <clears throat> for news and kind of national commentary and that, but yeah. I find Instagram an amazing source of, of information about what is going on around town. I need to be on it more. Yeah. <laughs> 
100%. What are you looking most forward to in 2021? There's got to be some light at the end of the tunnel here. Are you seeing it? I feel like it, you know, and I, I know it's, I know we're going to go through, you know, to me, 2022, I think we start to get back to, um, you know, whatever the new normal is, or, you know, but so I think we have a ways to go, but Colorado, we're blessed with really good weather. We have outdoor seating, you know, so we'll get through this, right? What are some right. of the things you're the, you're most excited about? I mean, I hope that the state decides to keep all the to-go liquor rules, you know, just the way they are right now. I think mm. patios are going to start to open up again. Our capacity is getting more and more, you know, it's getting looser, right? The capacity mm -hmm. restrictions are getting looser. So I feel like as the year goes on, a number of people I've been talking to lately are just saying, if you can just hold on for like four more months, maybe six, right. you know, things are going to slowly start to open up. What I am seeing is a lot of uh, <clears throat> chain activity you know, which I is not my favorite type of activity, large right. national chains. But I will say there's some exciting things happening, even with that, where our local chains are getting a little national love. Like Ivan Ramen is coming to uh, Blue Sushi Sake Co. I mean, oh, it's right. oh, that's her wow. sake yeah. grill. And that, I, so I was talking to him earlier today. Right. So Denver's going to be able to have Ivan Ramen delivered to your door. I mean, that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah, so super cool. That's a nice thing. The, the but thing we've also got... All these small producers, right? Yeah. We've got Dave making his amazing food. Um, have friend. you had this hot sauce? Yes, I have. <laughs> he told us it wasn't spicy. I still haven't recovered. <laughs> I just finished <laughs> a bottle of water. Um, yeah. Can I piggyback off that question real yeah, quick? Um, you know, I've been out here eight years now in Denver, and since I've been here, the, the, the food and cuisine, like the hospitality scene has just continued to go like this. Like, yes. uh, and then COVID hit, and then, you know, everybody, every, the whole world took a step back. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you look at the future from now, what does Denver's food scene, Colorado's food scene look like now as we move beyond this? Like you said, the outdoor patio is like the, the response to COVID is great. But like in five years from now, do you think we get back to kind of flourishing as a city? I think so. I mean, I'm not a fortune teller, but I think yeah. it's I think it's going to be a combination. Right. We had we had almost too many restaurants mm. right before mm. the pandemic. Mm. We knew there was going to be a bubble burst at right. some point. Mm -hmm. It has burst in a really hard, sudden, painful mm. way um, that I wish had not taken place. But I feel like what we're going to have is this mix of, yes, national chains are going to come in and, and you know, fill in some of the vacuum. But then we're slowly going to have some of these smaller you know, endeavors that really give a dining scene its soul and its, you know, unique flavor, they're going to come up. I mean, we have got so many amazing small artisans like Dave, yep. like, um, you know what I'm obsessed with right now? Not your mama's cupcakes. If you guys oh, remember. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Don't I'm not even Yo, I can't eat too many of those, Denise. I can they are, I can eat way too many. <laughs> are there any, are there any salad concepts that you can tell me about? Because I need a salad after this week of hosting the modern eater. <laughs> I mean, I would, I, if, I hope she gets a brick and mortar. Like they're yeah. just, and also the fact that you don't need a brick and mortar anymore. So yeah. I feel like yeah. the ghost kitchen concept and all these people, you know, making things out of their home, the Colorado Cottage Food Act is huge. And it was big before there were lots and lots of, you know, hundreds of producers cooking in their home kitchens and selling on their own. Um, but that's not stopping anytime soon. And yeah. then delivery, you know, you can get anything in the world delivered. Everybody's opening delivery only concepts. So now New York has that little flavor, or Denver has the flavor of New York, right. where I moved from. You can get anything delivered there. Well, now you can get anything delivered here. I mean, well, really. I anyway. think, I, you know, I would like to see, and, and it's a personal goal of mine, you know, a, a more incubation uh, of, you know, young entrepreneur talent. You know, yeah. I think Aurora's got a ton of cool food. Uh, I'd like to see that come to Denver. 
you know. Um, as you know, I love Mango House and I love <coughs> Siri at Urban Burma and I would love to see him get a brick and mortar. So I'm hopeful that as the industry starts to recover, um, that, you know, restaurateurs and that we can, we can work with banks and we can work with realtors and, uh, you know, developers. Yeah. Uh, and we have just, a, you know, a common goal you know, to diversify the food scene, I think. Well, and I think the, the business improvement districts, you know, working yeah. with the city and working with the state, like everybody needs to work together to <clears throat> make sure that that happens. Yeah. Because, you know, new new entrepreneurs can't do it all on their own. That's right. Well, yeah. one thing we've learned through COVID, right? I mean, just yeah. access to capital for people. I mean, they don't have it. They don't, a lot of people don't have it even, they can't even go to a bank and get a loan. Um, right. Dan Norberg, who uh, ran the SBA for the region, uh, for the last four years, um, you know, called me the other day. He's taking over as a regional president of a bank here in Colorado. And he's like, what does the industry need? Mm. <clears throat> and I said, they need access to good capital. Mm. You know, you can't have a five-year loan. You know, that's cumbersome for somebody, know. you know, like you. You're going to exactly. open up your store and you're not going to be able to afford it. Exactly. So we need, we need loan programs that are geared towards hospitality. I think that's extremely well, we important. Mentorship too, Juan. We need people like you <clears throat> who will help people like Dave. Like you can tell me I have access to a loan, but what kind of loan and what are right. the right parameters of the loan? And like what, yep. I wouldn't even know where yeah. to begin. And, and many feel that way. So. Is that something you think comes from the city or is that you, or, or is that something that comes from entrepreneurs that are doing it right now, mentoring other entrepreneurs? I think a little bit of both is happening, right? I mean, you know probably better than I what the city and the state can do, and I think right. they need to do even more. Um, but I do know, like Ellen um, Danek of Helly Mays Caramels, you know, she has this wonderful caramel business and, you know, packaged goods, and she is now starting a um, consultation business where she wants to help other, you know, entrepreneurs who are just starting in that line and share her expertise. So I feel like there's a, there's a bunch of pivots happening there too. Mm -hmm. On, where locals are going to help other locals. Yeah. On, on that, on, that on, on finding, uh, you know, someone to look up to or an mm -hmm. entrepreneur or someone to find that, you know, back when maybe I just started in 2013, 2014, Dolores, who now went to working class, Banty Rooster in New York, came back mm -hmm. trying to figure her stuff out now with her husband. She was a huge influence for myself back when I was younger because I didn't know who else to talk to right. about entrepreneurship and trying to find the right moves to make as a young chef mm -hmm. who might have something but not knowing where to go. Right. And it's, you know, it's, it's something to go back and say, if you can't find one, reach out to people that are, that are looking for that. You know, like, so I come from a business background, but you're a chef. Like, what are the things that really you worry about? <sighs> um... I mean, as a chef, I think about my money, how I make my money, how I live, right? How I live. We don't, most restaurants aren't paying really well, but now right. since COVID, it's changed, right? There's been a change in, in the restaurant industry. Um, I think about um, my brand. I think about where that's going to go. You know, something I've put so much time and idea and, and effort towards. How do I move it forward? Where do I, where do I see it just not on this little table in a little yeah. market with, with myself? Brand you know? is super, what does super, that super look important. like? My brother works for the Aspen Institute, Denise. And uh, he runs the business and society program over there. He's maybe the number two person in it, whatever. But he, he was telling me that the, the, the data that, come, that came out of Wall Street was saying that 83% of the value of a company is brand. Wow. 83? Hmm. 83%. That's how Wall Street looks at your brand. And, and, and we're watching all this stuff happen in the stock market right now. Yep. I believe it. Yep. You know, all these things that are, don't have any profit that are trading at super high They're the numbers. vapor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of those are just, yeah, it, it's true, though. I mean, and 
you keep doing this, man, your brand's going to be just fine. I appreciate that, Ben. I appreciate that, Ben. Have you had this beef dish that he does? I haven't. Mm-hmm. No, she, but she will, she will get to have some at the Brass Tacks pop-up. She has had my dose. I do some like dose of pancakes, just uh-huh. some little things, just, just food that represents me but connected to Americana. Yeah. Right. And, and I think, um, you know who, who Nam Kim, um, Cindy, who now was a chef at Spuntino, she's now doing like fine dining South Indian food at the same time doing her pastas, which yeah. I think is amazing. Um, she's but it's, it's positioning herself. Yeah, yeah and, and it's finding that balance of, like, how do we connect that in Denver? Yeah. And I think, for me, luckily, I've worked with Beach. I've, worked, I've, I've been building mm-hmm. this, and now I think I have something to bring to the table. Yeah. And, and I hope that we could, you know, bring it to the community. Well, keep following that woman from Spuntino, because that place is great. Yes. Pandora is one of the yeah. most talented chefs in all of Colorado. Yep. I think she is amazing, as is Austin, her, uh, her chef de cuisine. They're yeah, incredible. That, that's amazing. They, and I think they've done a pretty good job during COVID as well. I always see mm-hmm. it busy and it's hard to get a resi there. I don't think that they have closed. They haven't closed except for like they had some weather right. tent issues. <clears throat> um, they, their staff has remained employed, yep. benefits, all that. I mean, now they're doing amazing. delivery. You know, they, they told me not long ago they feel like they've opened a new restaurant every two weeks. You know, everyone <laughs> I think we does, all right? feel that way <laughs> for sure with all the different moving and shaking that we're doing. Well, and I think also an important thing for 2021, 22 beyond is, is this taking care of our hospitality industry in a way it hasn't been taken care of. Mental right. health, mm-hmm. the exhaustion factor right now. Huge and factor. what everybody needs. So Chow, you know, started by John Hinman and um, Alex Palmerton is... We, we actually just got some uh, national love or wow. for the first time in a long time on the Eater newsletter that comes out on Sundays. They mentioned Chow um, as one of several, you know, mental health advocacy groups. We do. <clears throat> we launched that at our company with a cassette wellness. It's K-H-E-S-E-D. Yeah. Uh, and they're great. And uh, our kids get up to 12 free sessions. Um, it's really so important because we're the have money for that. Really good. The know? resources for that because you on every any meeting we have, you, you give updates on that. Right. Where can people find the access to those kind of programs? Yep. Where's Chow? Where are they going to find Chow? Oh, what is it? Great question. I think it's Chow.org. But hold on, I'll look okay. it up. Okay. And Cassette Wellness, K H E S E D yeah. Wellness. It's a big deal. Right? Um, yep. Heather Lundy, uh, she's great, great person. Um, and they actually specialize in hospitality. They have a bunch of it's, ex-hospitality workers. And you know what it is? It's Chow Co. So C H O W C O dot org. Okay. And they have meetings that anyone is welcome to. You know, completely um, anonymous. You know, meetings and um, no media is allowed. Nothing like that. I've never been to one. Um, right. You know, it's all very um, private and and important. It's one on one or it's group. I think, no, they're group meetings. Okay. But then they have access, you know, to lots of different services. Got it. And they can help connect you with places that uh, are willing to either, I think, reduce their prices or pro bono work. Got it. So what's what's 5280 up to for, uh, for for the next year? You guys have some exciting things that you're that you're gonna that you're gonna cover. I mean, we've got to have events have to somewhat come back. You know, weddings at least will come back, things like that. But are you guys getting excited to 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 get out of Denver a little bit and into these mountain towns and see what's going on or what's going on? I, I hope so. I hope so. My mother-in-law has been um, on my mind over the last year because she's very compromised, but she now has had her second shot. So I feel like my life's about to open up a little mm, bit. All right, um, which is great. And you know what? Nice. We just went skiing for my husband's birthday, Copper, this past weekend. How was the that? Snow was 
beautiful. Yeah. But I went to Rootstock in Breck because mm. Matt Vodder, who left Mercantile right. and Fruition and went up there to open his own place. I mean, that's the kind of place that um, gives real soul to a dining scene. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's a small menu. It is thoughtful. It's great. And it's really cool. It's in an old house and the kitchen's downstairs. Huh. So you go downstairs and there's the open line, but it's on the basement level, which is not really? something you see every day. But the food was fantastic. What, what type of cuisine is that? Oh, he's doing, <clears throat> he has a whole lineup of pastas. It's okay. very, I mean, it's mercantile-ish. Yeah. You know, because Matt, Matt Vodder was mercantile along with Alex Seidel for right. years. Um, it's beautiful. It's yeah, really it's good nice. to see him up there flourishing. That's great. Um, yeah. There's some good stuff in the mountains right now. You know, my favorite's Craftsman. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I, you know, I haven't been yet. Really? I have a lot of travel. Crafts, it's in Edwards. It's off, I think, exit 163. Um, I think, well, I'm, I, I'm, for, for nostalgia reasons, Katz's Deli is my favorite sandwich, that, mm -hmm. you know? But for me, Craftsman is the best sandwich shop I've ever had, I've ever eaten in. Wow. Ever. I gotta go. Well, and they're supposed time. to come to Denver. So that's exciting. I think they're trying. So yeah, yeah and he's got he's got Birdcraft, uh, which is at Outer Range Brewing. It's his uh, Asian fried chicken cool. uh, concept. That sounds so dope. Chris Schmidt, he's he's a great guy. Well, it's incredible. So Denise, why don't we leave it with this? Why don't you give uh, one piece of advice to, uh, or maybe not even a piece of advice. One thing that uh, uh, words, uh, of encourage, one, one, <laughs> words of encouragement. Words of encouragement to folks listening in the industry, coming from somebody that covers it. That I can do. I, no advice, but um, encouragement. <laughs> <laughs> I have just seen more heart and soul from this industry yeah. in the last year. I mean, I get a little, I get a little teared up. It's. I think mm. everyone working or even or laid off in hospitality in Colorado. They're just such good people. Everybody is working so hard. I know that not every dining experience right now is going to be spectacular. It's not going to be what it used to be. But if I could say anything to the industry people, I would say keep going. Just keep going. And to regular readers, to 5280s readers, keep getting takeout. Keep going out. Dining in whatever way you feel comfortable because... Even if every experience is not an A+, that doesn't mean that we don't want our local restaurants, especially the independent ones like all of yours, mm -hmm. here on the other side of this. The only way to do that is to support. So I just say dig deep and keep supporting on all sides. Well, I've been a reader of uh, a subscriber and reader for eight years to 5280. It's not stopping me time soon. It's been awesome since Thanks. I moved out here. So. And now, actually, <clears throat> you're a restaurateur, sort of. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're a restaurant That's right. I'm in it now. You're in it. I'm in it. So, <laughs> well, <Yep>. thank you. <clears throat> All right. So, Dave, the food incredible. Denise, thank you. Thank you for your Thanks, words Denise. of encouragement. We're Thanks pretty excited to have you. And Ben, uh, when we come back, we're gonna talk a little bit about. I think you had. You just wrote a book, man. I did. I, I need did. A, Let's I talk need a about copy it. of that book. Right? Hey, I need to your sister know about that book. Yeah. No, from, hey, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Well, we're gonna have. We're gonna talk with Ben Higgins about his new book. We're gonna talk about uh, his experience being a restaurateur now, and then we're gonna have the culinary quick start program come in. Blake Stein and Marcus Ang, and they're gonna cook some chicken pho. More food. Let's do it. Which is pretty <laughs> exciting. I, I, all I want to do is eat the day after the Super Bowl. Oh, it feels so That's good. That's it. We need yeah. it. <laughs> Soak it all up. All right. We're going to go off the break. Denise Mickelson, thank you so much. 5280 Magazine. Uh, and we'll be right back from the Modern Eater. Hey, guys. Alex Armitas over at Sam's Number 3 Glendale. You want a Bloody Mary? You want a cheeseburger? You want a breakfast burrito? Greek salad? Bacon gyro meat? Chicken souvlaki? Barbecue ranch salad? We got you covered. Come down and see us. One more time. 
Try it again. Hey guys, Alex Armitas over here at Sam's Number 3 Glendale. Now get your ass to themoderneater.com. Thank you so much. We started Meridium Spirits because we love the way that spirits and cocktails can bring people together to socialize, to bond, to have conversations. Well, right now we've got some big conversations to have. Coop Vodka and Coop Gin are available at liquor stores across the metro area, but if you can't find us or would like to have us behind your bar or at your restaurant, send us an email, info at meridiumspirits.com. We know things are a little different these days, but think of us the next time you're planning a virtual happy hour or a socially distant picnic. And keep an eye on our social media, Coop by Meridium, for all the latest and greatest. Hey guys, it's Caroline Glover. I'm the chef owner of Annette out at Stanley Marketplace. Citrus is about to be in its prime. I just want to thank everybody for showing so much support to small local restaurants in this really hard time and you're watching the Modern Eater show. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Hollenbeck. Uh, I had a problem with the microphones. Just do that little intro again, man. We're, we're live, you know. We're live, we're gonna do it again. Welcome back to Studio show. Kitchen Colorado, home of the Modern Eater. Juan Padro sitting in for Greg Hollenbeck with my good friend and business partner, Ben Higgins. What's up, buddy? Uh, man, let's talk because we're business partners, but I don't really see you that much anymore because you're writing books. Yeah. Tell us about gone. this. COVID's been weird. It's been, uh, I've been <laughs> locked up in a way. Yeah, so I just, uh, actually a week ago, I launched my book. Mm -hmm. um, it was a two-year project. Uh, I started as a journal, and then um, Thomas Nelson came and said, would you ever want to write a book? And I said, I don't know what I'd write about. Uh, and I told him about this journal that I've had. And mm -hmm. it, it really hit me when I was kind of at my low point. So I was The Bachelor. Uh -huh. Got off The Bachelor within, I mean, it's wild when you're on that show. You right. go from zero to 100. So everybody know, talks about you, knows you. And that ends. And you're left confused without an identity. Ah. And they've moved on to their next person. They've moved on to their next thing. And you're kind of lost. And I started writing this, like, these feelings of being like, this whole fame thing's not fulfilling. Mm -hmm. um, my, what, what is this chapter of my life you've met? You know, mm -hmm. now I have a title of The Bachelor tied to my name, and, like, that is not even a part of my life anymore. Right. So I started writing this stuff down. Uh, and long story short, as I wrote it down, I realized what I was really feeling was disconnected, isolated, alone, like, misunderstood, mm -hmm. just kind of feeling like I didn't know myself, and as a result, I didn't know others. Mm -hmm. uh, and, the, and the more I talked about this concept, the more I talked about it with my counselors, uh, mm -hmm. the more I talked about it with my friends, I realized that a lot of people in their life at some point or another have felt mm -hmm. 
isolated alone. I mean, geez. And think about right now, like most people have felt appropriate, right? All appropriate. And so that's what the book turned into. It's a book. It's a response to people who felt alone to hopefully tell them they aren't, uh, that they're cared for, they're loved Mm -hmm. and give them some tangible proof of human stories that have felt alone or it seemed like they were alone Mm -hmm. yet in the end, it kind of comes back around to where they never were. Um, so yeah, that's exciting. So where can we find it? Uh, it's alone in plain sight. You can just Google it. I, yeah. Amazon's a great thing. I did the audio book myself, which was uh, wild, but it might have been, uh, it, was, it took me four days to read the book. Got it. Uh, writing the book was really hard. Doing the audio book was like in the short period of time just as hard, reading without messing up. Um, so I, I encourage everybody to go listen to it. Uh, you know, You're a pretty good speaker, though. You don't mess up very well, often. But it's, uh, it's, it was, it's been a really cool experience, man. And mm-hmm. it, um, it's, it ended up being timely, which yeah. was not expected that this would be right. a timely event. This was just something that came from my heart and, uh, man, it's a, uh, it's a big deal to me. Awesome. Well, congratulations on that. I'm super excited to read it Thanks, or buddy. listen to it. We'll see yeah, which, one, which I one I'll probably listen to it cause I'm driving in my car all the time. Well, actually, so. uh, I'll say this, um, next Friday, uh-huh. well, no, the 19th, that's not next Friday, the 19th, I'm going to be doing a book <clears> signing. <throat> Uh, at Brewability uh, oh, cool. down on, uh, yeah. on South Broadway. Yeah, yeah, so uh, yeah, stop in, come grab a book, come hang awesome. out. Awesome, I'll be down for that, cool. no doubt. So let's talk about being business partners, man. Mm-hmm. We're in the restaurant industry. This has been a crazy year. Um, you know, I do investor updates, so yeah. I get on the phone and you, know, you call me up, what's going on? How are you feeling about the restaurant scene right now? You know, it's, well, I wanna give a little backstory for, first. Uh, so I moved out to Denver, uh, Highland Tap Burger was my spot, right? Yeah. I knew nobody when I moved to Denver. Yeah. Uh, I had no friends out here and Highland Tap Burger was the place that I went to sit at the bar, to have my dinner, to have a drink and just pe- good people showed up. So right. you'd meet great people in town. It's the uh, clubhouse. It's the clubhouse. That's it's great. It. Yeah. And, uh, I met you through that. And then I went on the show, right. came off the show. Uh, my life had changed a bit and I was telling you the story about why I wanted to get into restaurants and this will all tie together in a second. But the reason was, it's cause I grew up in a small town. And there was one restaurant that was my grandma's favorite restaurant to go to on celebrations. It was called Stacy's. And it's like literally this, it was in a, like a modular home, like a double wide. But you walk in and it has like the old Christmas lights. And this is back in like uh, the 90s when you could smoke inside. It has that unique feel and vibe to it, you know? Smell. Yeah, the smell. <laughs> and there was the owner yeah. of the restaurant, Stacy, would sit in the corner booth. Uh, he'd have a bottle of wine, he'd have a cigar, and he'd have his accounting books out in front of him. Stacy's a he. Yeah, Stacy's okay. a he. And his friends would come and sit with him and have dinner. And then they'd leave and new would come. And, you know, people would just want to go talk to him. Yeah. And I was like, I want that to be me. I want to be in a place that people want to come hang out. That was always a dream. Never knew I could make it happen. Yeah. Well, I met you. Uh, and I knew, then that's who you are in town. Like, people wanted to come hang out with you. You knew everybody. There was, you were involved in their lives. They would sit down, have a drink with you, and leave. And, know, you know, there's just something special about that. And, uh, and then one day you said, hey, I have this unique idea. And you said that you want to be a part of a place that, uh, that people would want to come to. And, uh, I said, I'm in. So that's when Ashkar yeah. started. Now we've gotten to Mr. O. So, and how I feel about it now is this, uh, you know, it's a little bit, um, a little bit weird because Mr. Oso never really got to get its feet. I know. You know, like we were yeah. just there, COVID hits and shuts it down. <laughs> right. Uh, but already you were feeling that kind of vibe, that kind of place mm-hmm. where people, uh, could come take a deep breath, great food, great dr- drink mm-hmm. and be around people, be around great people celebrating something or just hanging out and having dinner together. Ashkar, you know, has... Uh, some of those unique, uh, like food I've ever had. It's special. It's a place I would bring my family to every time mm-hmm. when they come to visit. Uh, and I think we're going to get back to that because that's how those places are built. They they're built 
with the vibe and like with the people in mind? I think definitely people are super excited to get out. We just went to 50% capacity yeah. on Saturday. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. No. That went from 25 to 50%, was announced quickly, just in time for the Super Bowl, which I was surprised by, <laughs> yeah, frankly. That's um, but, you know, I mean, Colorado's doing well, you know, as well as it can. You know, I think Governor Polis has done a really good job uh, managing this, and it's been challenging for everybody. But, the energy this weekend mm -hmm. out in Denver was so much different, you know? Yeah. And people are still, they're doing a good job. They're taking their precautions. Um, they're still wearing their masks. Distancing is still a thing. You know, that's, that's what they're asking us to do. So you're going through all that. But just being around people. And the Super Bowl, to me, this year was symbolic, you know, for a different reason. It wasn't about football. Mm -hmm. It was about bringing people together. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, and, 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 you know, we were at Sloan's Tappenberger watching it and, a bunch of the Broncos were there, and it just felt like, you know, oh, hey, this is, we're starting to get back to, yeah. you know, to what we used to be. And it was, uh, you know, just it wasn't, it wasn't the most exciting game in the world. I was happy. <laughs> My man Tom Brady continues to defy up 40. I don't know how. I mean, I, 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 I pull a muscle in my back oh, just yeah. bending over sometimes. This guy is 43 running around, you know, I running away from I and pick up basketball a couple years ago in you Denver. Did. Yeah, so. Yeah, um, so you like, got it. He was a 30 and up. Yeah. Lead. Uh, yeah, I mean, so it was great. The energy yeah. in the city is great, and I mean, that's why I wanted to get involved in the restaurants. Yeah. Is I wanted to be a part of places <clears throat> that had good energy. I want to be a place, right. honestly, um, that you can make a memory at. Like, you know, right. I would love if one day, you know, somebody comes back in 20 years when they're in their, you know, they're a kid right now, and they've gone to Mister Osa with their family and they had the best tacos they've right. ever had or whatever, and they talk about that. Like, that would just be a special feeling. Yeah. That nostalgia. Um, that yeah. nostalgia. Yeah, I think it's great. And, you know, the other thing is, you know, at least for us philosophically, impacting communities is really mm -hmm. important. And we use the restaurant as a platform for that. Um, philanthropy is really important to you. Yeah. Let's talk about Honduras for a minute. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's cr no better time to talk about, you know, Central America, especially mm -hmm. specifically Honduras and right now. So uh, I've done work down there. Uh, when I was in high school, I went to Honduras on a missions trip. And, uh, you know, I came from, a, like I said, a small little town. Um, a very little need in that mm -hmm. town went to Honduras and saw true poverty for the first time and you know saw kids you know the stories that you see on TV that are oftentimes over drama dramatized dramatized um, <laughs> you know you see it with your own eyes yeah. like kids starving kids without clean water disease ripping through no education and it broke me like I, I mean mm -hmm. I, it wasn't because you know I, I, I'm, I'm a great person it was like literally just, it broke me it confused me it shifted everything I ever thought I knew mm -hmm. And so we start an organization in response that does sustainable change in Honduras. So we go into these communities and say, what do you need, what do you want, and what do you dream of? And you guide us there. So we don't mm -hmm. tell them what they're going to get. We don't give them it. It's a partnership, and it's going really well. Well, unfortunately, um, two months ago, two hurricanes, uh, Category 5, hit the same place within four days of each other. That's incredible. Um, so you're wiping out uh, these communities that have just, you know, maybe recently gotten a clean water tank, maybe just recently started their own small businesses, maybe they just recently uh, had a home built. Mm -hmm. But, um, and this will bring, I think, everything to home, is one of our communities, uh, we just put in electricity. And they had gone out, uh, it was a month before the hurricanes hit, and they had bought refrigerators. Mm -hmm. um, this was a big deal to them, so they could have food. And they did it on loan, um, because a lot of them can't afford it and there's no insurance that covers that stuff, right? And right. so the hurricanes came through and wiped out the refrigerators in, every, in 31 of the homes, which we have 32 mm -hmm. homes, uh, ruined them, washed them down the river. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a lot of need right now. Uh, and then the difference between there and here is there's not really a great response by any kind of government aid. And so it's right. people going down and, and helping out where they can. 
Uh, but yeah, that's so yeah. you know. Well, tell people tell people what you guys are doing. It's yeah, so um, well, right now uh, the Global Empowerment Mission, which you mm -hmm. helped set us up with, uh, and Humanity and Hope United, which is the organization that was started. Uh, I think as of last week, there's a million pounds of aid that was donated Incredible. to Honduras, mm -hmm. uh, and so Global Empowerment Mission is rounding up. These are your friends out of Miami. <clears throat> mm -hmm. uh, they helped you out with Puerto Rico. That's They're right. rounding up all this aid, uh, and then they're getting it, flying it into Honduras. At that point, Humanity and Hope United is picking it up and distributing it across uh, Honduras. I mean, yeah. up, it's a uh, pretty incredible thing, right? Because you're actually yeah. dealing with government officials and you're dealing with, you know, like national government officials, yeah. local government officials. You know, you how the heck in a country that's basically underwater are you getting this stuff? You know, and it's wild. It's, and, yeah. and, and the interesting part, and so these communities that we're working with. Uh, that we have for years, the mm -hmm. ones that you know we, in a sense, adopted. We said we're going to be your partners. Now they're the ones running the distribution centers. So they've came into the city now, mm -hmm. uh, where they were uh, their kind of safe haven was during the flooding of their of communities, and they're staying in the cities now and running these distribution centers, giving out to their neighbors, their friends. Mm -hmm. uh, as of two months ago, so the hurricane hit. Uh, well, two months ago the hurricane hit. As of a month ago. Um, the, there were still people that they were finding that had kind of like gotten uh, stuck in their communities up in the mountains. They haven't been able to get access to clean water or food, so they've been right. eating whatever floats through. Uh, it's just, it, it's a scenario. So yeah, so our response right now is something that we're not used to, which is disaster relief. Mm -hmm. um, and we hope to uh, fairly soon get back into the sustainable change part where it is uh, fighting injustice facing humans and building mm -hmm. you know, the clean water, the necessities that humans need to survive. Generous coffee. Yeah. Kind of so, born from that. Yeah. I, I uh, wore the shirt today as a little, uh, little highlight. So yeah. this, uh, because mm -hmm. of the sustainable change part of Humanity Hope United, mm -hmm. um, nonprofits have one really big issue is there's not really ever a good fundraising, sustainable fundraising right. source. So if you're going to play. It's like when something happens, the money comes in and then it's gone. Then it's gone. You have to yeah, restart so, over. Right. And so we recognized that a few years ago. Uh, and with the platform handed to me from The Bachelor, we were like, we have to do something with this. So we started Generous Coffee, uh, which sells coffee and T-shirts, uh, bags made by uh, women uh, from Guatemala, jewelry from the Dominican Republic. Uh, all of this stuff is handmade. It's sourced. We sell it. And then 100% of the profits are donated back to nonprofits and social causes Incredible. fighting human injustice. And so the cool part about that is the owners, mm -hmm. uh, myself included, at the very beginning in our operating agreement, uh, upon the sale of the company, uh, also upon every piece of profit from each product sold, it's written in that all has to be donated. So, yeah. that, um, so up, you know, last year we did 30,000 uh, that we donated back. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm hoping to double that this year. Uh, you can find it online at generouscoffee.com. Awesome. Amazing. Boys, what's going on over there? How are you doing? Chef Blake Stein, Chef Marcus Eng. How are you? How are you guys? Welcome. We're excited to have you, and we're excited to have some chicken pho. Yes? <laughs> it is hangover day, the day after the Super Bowl. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to come back with Blake and Marcus, and Ben and I are going to continue to eat samosas and, <laughs> and beef and, and, and roti and drink water, uh, and, we drink water <laughs> and then we're going to get some pho, and we're going to go home and probably take a big nap. So, yeah, this is Juan Padro. This is the modern eater. Let's get off the break. Hi, I'm Amber with Strohauer Farms. And I'm just here to remind you that the best potatoes are grown here in Colorado. Goodness elevated. Thanks for watching the Modern Eater Show. <laughs> hey, Zach Ryder here, Colorado Mills Sunflower Products out of Lamar, Colorado. Your only local source grown from a local crop. 
to produce a local oil for local chefs. You can find it at Shamrock Foods, What Chefs Want, Seattle Fish Company. Uh, let me try it one more time, then we'll see. Hey, restaurants, we're glad you're reopening from Colorado Mills Sunflower Oil. We'll see you soon. <laughs> First, we partner with the best farmers in the world, and then we tell them, we will take it all. Process whole spices daily, blend custom spices to order, keep it fresh, safe, and flavorful, all so that you can get back to doing what you do best. So whether you're a restaurant, a food manufacturer, or an at-home cook, be sure to visit The Spice Guy at www.thespiceguyco.com. Hey, Modern Eater fans. I'm Don Trouble with The Annex by Art at Mills, and I just wanted to give you a heads up about some of the great things we've got going on locally in the state. We're headquartered right here, and we're working with farmers in the San Luis Valley to bring you amazing Colorado quinoa. It's just like the South American stuff, but grown locally. We've got transitional wheat flour that's grown by farmers in Colorado and surrounding states who are in the process of, of turning their fields into organic. So we're taking that transitional wheat and turning it into flour, and now it's available for you to cook and bake with. And last but not least, we're now cleaning grain berries in Denver. So things like spelt or wheat berries uh, or pearl barley, those are things that we're now doing right here locally and are available to you. Can't wait to share it with you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jeff Nations from Aspen Baking Company. It's really important right now to support local. That's why I support the Modern Eater. Now, back to the show. I'll record one at the Clayton tomorrow. Back to the show in just a second, but it's my favorite time, and it's time to talk bread, man. AspenBaking.com, that's where you go to find the most delicious bread in the city. They're making pho in the kitchen today for some, a little hangover dish. All I can think about is taking one of Aspen Baking sourdough loaves, cutting it in half, cutting it in quarters. I like to bake it and crisp up the outside and then just use that sourdough wedge as a dipping into any sauce, any soup, anything in the world like that. AspenBaking.com, that's where you find delicious bread. You don't find chemicals. You don't find artificial colors. You don't, they're not going to freeze it on you. Some of the bakeries freeze it on you. What you're going to find is you're going to find hardworking community business, AspenBaking.com, that just makes the most delicious bread. I mean, that's it. Pound cakes, lobster rolls, coffee cakes, they do the pastries too if you want to get your sweet tooth going. Also, uh, chefs, uh, pizza dough. If you need pizza dough, they'll make you pizza dough, delivered to you fresh, ready to go. It's AspenBaking.com. Now back to the show with the Culinary Quick Start guys. Uh, ben Higgins from uh, uh, Almost Famous Podcast. Juan Padro, you may know that dude. He's been doing a great job. So uh, let's get back and, and, and look at some pho. 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 <laughs> Welcome back to Studio Kitchen Colorado. Home of the modern eater, Juan Padro, sitting in for Greg Hollenbeck with my buddy Jay Parker. Jay, thanks for that incredible uh, Aspen baking uh, yeah. description. I'm so, I'm like, sourdough actually sounds like amazing right now. So Aspen Baking Company, really good. With my co-host, Ben Higgins. We've had a pretty cool show, man. I mean, we've had yeah. Chef Dave Hadley. Uh, he's going to be on uh, Supermarket Stakeout uh, airing tomorrow on the Food Network. So that's pretty excited. He cooked us up some food. Um, you know, we got to talk to Denise Mickelson, editor of 5280 Magazine. She's a pretty incredible woman covering the food scene. Uh, 
you know, all the little, she's always got some tidbits that she's yeah. going to drop, some knowledge she's going to drop on you. So we found a cupcake spot that I think we're going to uh-huh. be, be checking out. Uh, so that was pretty cool. We got to learn about your book. So congratulations on that. And uh, man, you know, I'm just incredibly impressed that you're able to pull something like that off. Thank so you, that's really cool. Culinary Quick Start Program, Chef Blake Stein, Chef Marcus Sang. How's it going? What's up? What's up, guys? What's up, guys? How are you? How's it going? How you doing? Good to see you. What do we got? Um, so yeah, if you guys don't know what pho is, it's like uh, it's a soup noodle dish um, from Vietnam, uh, made by Chinese cooks back in the day, mm-hmm. um, and they've also adopted a lot of like uh, some French style like stock making techniques mm-hmm. and stuff with. Uh, they're making their broth. So uh, you might be more familiar with like, the beef style pho. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be most common uh, towards the north in okay. like, Hanoi. But the farther south you go to like Ho Chi Minh City, uh, Saigon, um, the chicken pho is actually going to become more common as you go further south. Why is that? Um, chickens just thrive in a warmer environment and okay. cows really don't. Yeah. So um, where it's a little cooler in the north, you have more cows. It's further south, it's going to be more chicken um, or like seafood. Cool. Um, it's also very inexpensive. Uh, when I was in Vietnam, I think about two bucks a bowl. Is that right? Two bucks a bowl. Fill you um, up for the day. For the day. And yeah. it is a, a, a breakfast food. Yep. Uh, I like the cheetah like an all day food. Yeah, it's like an all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the vendors are well, pretty, always available. It's pretty popular here in, in, in Colorado. I mean, I see a lot of it and I know I eat a ton of it. I, yeah, I get yeah. it a couple times a month at least. Yeah, it's delicious. It so is. Tell me about the noodle. Um, so the noodles is just going to be like a, a rice vermicelli here. Um, and what we're going to do is we're really just going to soak these, um, and it's going to expand. This is a pretty fine one, so we'll see what this one looks like. But, yeah, this is just rice yep. and water uh, extruded okay. and dried yeah. out. So. And we got all these beautiful herbs here. So we have yeah. cilantro. Um, Thai basil. Thai basil. So that's the what's called opal basil, right? Purple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is gonna be like culancho. Yeah. So I just want to make a comment about this, right? Because I'm I'm Puerto Rican, and this is like the main herb in sofrito for Puerto Ricans. Ah. So culantro has been a part of uh, my uh, my history for awesome. 47 years, uh, and you don't see a lot of it. In no, Colorado. Like, yeah, you don't see a yeah. ton of it outside of the like the kind of Asian. Mind if I center. open this? Yeah, please. Yeah, and it's a really cool, and I want people to see it because it's very fragrant, and it's and, the, and it is the cilantro family. But you see how long that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it's so, got like these cool. kind of saw-like ridges along right. the leaf there too, um, but mm. yeah, really fragrant, beautiful. Yeah. And you got some green onions. Yep. We'll just toss that up. Awesome. Um, throw it all in there. Well, great. Well, while you, while you get cooking then, on that, and Blake. Yes, sir. We had one of your kids stage with us on Friday. Did well. Had to go. Eli, yeah. right? No, he goes next week. So we actually ended up bringing two kids in. One, oh, okay. One, one must have just heard through the grapevine and showed, <laughs> and showed up. That's why I thought. That's a wonderful and, thing. Uh, yeah, so um, one kid did well, and I think Eli goes on uh, Wednesday. Outstanding. So, um, so yeah, they, they did well. Cool. So thank they, you very yeah, that's much. That's really man. cool. They're getting some good training. Tell us about the program. So uh, we're doing three weeks uh, virtual with the option of having two students in the classroom with us each night. Okay. Um, the Does that reason- change with the new um, uh, restrictions? 
Uh, well, I, I think that as we soon as we can have more students in, we absolutely will. Okay. Uh, just depends. We just went to fifty percent in restaurants. I don't okay. know if that wh- how that changes for a, a program like yours. I sure don't know at this point, yeah. but uh, I think it'd be really, really nice to have more students in because the hands-on experience is is unlike any other. You know, I think that you can learn a whole lot more from actually touching food and cooking it and the science behind all these things. Uh-huh. Uh, What's the program? So it's Culinary Quick Start. We do okay. three weeks of, uh, I don't know, a lot of intense exposure to food, things that you'd want a cook to know before they came into your restaurant, say, uh, for the first time. You know, so maybe a lot of people that are coming back to restaurants from being a little bit uh, displaced from COVID, or it's a lot of people who are changing careers, or people who just have an interest in cooking food professionally. So, okay. yeah, we try to show them uh, as much as we can uh, within a three-week period and uh, just kind of get them some great jobs right after that. Yeah, and basic knife skills and things like knife that as well, right? Knife skills, we're real heavy on yeah. the knife skills, trying to get these guys real comfortable with the way that you're supposed to handle a knife inside of a kitchen, um, to be able to prep and, and cut things very accurately without injuring themselves. Okay. Yeah. So I asked Carrie Baird um, from Top Chef and obviously Bardo, uh, you know, a lot of kids get intimidated. They don't want to, they don't want to go and, you know, oh, my God, I, I could never work for Carrie Baird. I could never work for Dave, he's been on Food Network or whatever, right? <laughs> and Carrie's like, you know, she, she was just really outlining, look, the passion is what's most important. Yeah. If you have basic skills and you have passion and know-how, do you guys echo that sentiment? I know you've, you've worked in some great kitchens. Yeah, um, well, what I think is that we can't teach people to care. Yeah. And um, as long as you're passionate about taking care of other people, which mm-hmm. is ultimately what we do as uh, hospitality professionals, then yeah, uh, the, the skills will come mm-hmm. later. Tell me about your background, because I don't really know a ton about, I know, were you at Acorn at one point? Yep, okay. I helped open up Acorn. I've been around uh, a lot of different places the way back. Uh, uh, most recently, I was doing like my bento boxes at Kitsune. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've Tavernetta, did a uh-huh. stint there too. So Great. yeah, just kind of uh, a journeyman. And All then right. I've been teaching with Culinary Quick Start for... Uh, I don't know, maybe about close a, year. To a year and a half, maybe close two to a years. year and a half, but I've been yeah. volunteering with them for over two. That's amazing. What, what inspired you to get into volunteering in a program like this? Um, I think that just cooking it is one of the most fundamental skills that uh, really separates us from the rest of the animals, really. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to transform food and to elevate it into an art form, I think, mm-hmm. is um, something that uh, people need to learn, and it's really a very easy way to give to other people is mm-hmm. by just cooking for them, taking care of them. So, um, and also just like a very important survival kind of thing too. Like people should just know how to cook, you know, um, your, your <laughs> life's going to be way more yeah. enriched if yeah. you're around better food. Okay. Are you, you're Vietnamese? I'm Chinese. You're Chinese. Yeah. Okay. Do you cook? Uh, so you did the bento boxes. Mm-hmm. So was that Chinese influenced? Um, I know I'm a Japan file, but, uh, I cook, you know, a lot of Chinese dishes within uh-huh. that medium of the bento box. Okay. Um, I do cook a, a fair amount of Chinese, but probably just more at home. Got it. Um, honestly, I probably cook more like Italian food than anything else. Right. <laughs> well, that's just the way it shakes out the here. Italians, in the Italians uh, got some noodles from the Chinese way back in the day. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, um, I love just cooking everything. Yeah. Though. You know, if uh, you know, I'd love to learn how to cook some some Indian food. Yeah. So I know a guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
That's and honestly, that's like one of the cuisines like I I personally know the least about. Yeah, say. yeah. Well, that's one of my one favorite. Of I grew up in the in the Northeast, mm -hmm. and you know we have a lot of Italian restaurants, we have a lot of Greek restaurants, and we have a lot of Indian restaurants. Sure. Um, and so, and just all the travel back and forth. Uh, we have a lot of colleges and universities in Massachusetts, mm -hmm. so um, all the students that would come in and they, you know, miss their their cuisine from home and you know, start opening up restaurants and it's just, it was a, a pretty thriving scene there. So, and uh, Indian food actually uh, not too dissimilar from Puerto Rican, rice and mm -hmm. beans and they stew their meats and, and stuff like that. So yeah. naturally I gravitated towards that. And David and I were talking a little bit about the fact that, you know, with samosas, you can kind of stuff them with different things. Sure. And, and this idea of like translational food, like, okay, I don't know what a samosa is, but it's got sausage and peppers in it and it's got yeah. bacon, <laughs> bacon, egg and cheese or whatever in it. Um, do you think about food that way? Like, how do you, like, you know, you have somebody kind of that's just curious about Vietnamese food. Like, yeah. how do you get them to try it? Um, that's a really good question. Uh, I think, yeah, just an open mind, you mm -hmm. know, but, you know, some, some people <laughs> have particular aversions to, mm -hmm. um, per, like, particular meats, particular parts of p particular meats, you right. know, so um, I think just education, that's it, is just understanding that, hey, you're eating all the things that essentially go into a hot dog, well, wouldn't you just eat them all separately, <laughs> you know? Like, Very true. It's, kind of the same, yeah. it's all the same thing, it just yeah. looks different, but, I mean, like, it's a mostly you could, it's, you know, it's like a... It's like a fried pierogi almost, right. you know? It's like, there's kind of like analogs or just similar um, dishes that kind of show up in every culture mm -hmm. and um, whether or not, you know, that's anthropolog, yeah, yeah. It's all just different, different names for the same kind of food. Did you go to Hanoi when you were? Yes, I've been yeah. to Hanoi, yeah. They say that's the, one of the best food cities in the entire world, mm -hmm. especially for street food and stuff street like food, that. Street food, yeah. I mean, Vietnam in general, yeah. like incredible street food. Yeah. I was, uh, lucky enough to go, yeah, Saigon or Ho Chi Minh City all the way up to Hanoi and then back down to mm. Phu Quoc, which is an island where a lot of our fish sauces get made. Okay. So uh, that, was a, that was a great tour. Um, yeah, and all the best food is super cheap and readily available on the street like pretty much any time of the day. So awesome. um, it is really an eater's, an eater's paradise because you'll, you'll get off the bus and, you know, there'll be a crocodile just on a grill. <laughs> um, oh, that sounds good. <laughs> That's, I'm in for that. With, uh, a little more background on the pho. So you said when it f originally started, it was it's a Chinese dish being cooked in Vietnam. It's a it's a it's Chinese cooks that made the original uh, dish. Okay. Um, so you know there's a big subpopulation of Chinese mm -hmm. people in Vietnam, um, just because they short share a border. Yeah. Um, so and Hanoi is going to be closer to that border with China, um, so it's likely. Um, Chinese cooks trying to find a way to make a delicious, nutritious broth with literal scraps that were left for them. So mm. it is a, you know, um, a stock just made out of mainly bone okay. um, and, you know, the, the tiny cuts of meat that are kind of left over. Mm. So um, I like tripe in mine. I like, uh, you know, the meatballs uh, and then just tiny cuts of like other off cuts like tendon, stuff like yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Really cool. Blake, do you guys get into, um, you know, are these history lessons for your students as well? I mean, like, f I mean, food is rooted in history. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we love to answer any questions that come our way, especially like food questions and, and the origins of things. But uh, yeah, I think that food history is a, just an amazing 
very vast concept that we can talk about, and I think it's really important to know where your food does come from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I studied history in college. So. Me too, history. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's fascinating to yeah. me. Um, I just love kind of finding out where it comes from, and I think if you have that cultural understanding and the historical context of how this dish beca- like came to be, um, you just have a lot better understanding of like where it can go or mm-hmm. where you want to take it and apply it to you know the the product that we have like here in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's what we need to do, like as Coloradans and like mm-hmm. as a Denver community, is like really find our own voice um, yeah. and um, kind of accent what's like local here right i think that's super important too i asked this we had adrian miller the the great author uh soul food scholar he's got his new book black smoke coming out and he was a guest uh last wednesday on the show and i asked him a question and i'm going to ask you the same question marcus what does the food that you cook tell us about you know where you're from in your culture um well i think it's it's fundamentally american you mm-hmm. know and i think that's really the the beauty of uh, American food is that it, it is a literal melting pot right. of just cultures and experiences. Right. And uh, I mean, I'm a first generation American myself, mm-hmm. so um, you know, everybody's experience is going to be absolutely different. And uh, so I think it, it really is part of your identity as, mm-hmm. as a chef, and mm-hmm. being able to share that is really important as well. Um, I don't know, did I answer the question? That's yet? a great, no, it's, <laughs> a, it, it's, it's great. Where are you from? Um, I was born in the Bay Area. Okay, and cool. And then uh, I've lived half my life kind of abroad and then uh, here in Colorado. Okay, amazing. Yeah. Blake. Sir. Tell me what's going on over here. So we, uh, so this is like one of our, our, my favorite lessons that I like to teach about stock making and why, why the importance of utilizing waste product to turn into something that we can actually turn into, into, okay. into dollar signs, right? Right. So we tell them, whatever goes in your trash can has already been paid for. So you want to try and eliminate as much waste as you can by turning it into something else. So what I've done is uh, created a really nice stock, right? and then I let it cook down. I added a whole bunch of really nice ingredients to it to make this chicken fall broth. I let it cook for about 12 hours, uh, reduced down massively. And now I think we got something really nice and flavorful to make you guys a really yeah. great dish today. Yeah, you, can really, it with, you can really smell it. Um, it's delicious, the onions. I was peeking over your shoulder. There's something incredibly relaxing to me by watching a really good chef cut vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> Especially on a day like today where Marcus my brain's working, working for an slow. intern. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's pretty nice. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I love all the fresh herbs and stuff like mm-hmm. that that kind of go into to pho. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. And in the wintertime, man, I, I ramp up my pho intake. <laughs> I mean, my fiance and I, like a night like tonight probably. Honestly, you know, a little tired, big day, cold outside. I guarantee you, if I said pho, well, that's where we're going. Yeah. Like, it just, it's mm-hmm. the best. It's, in a, you know, yeah. so. So yummy. Right. Awesome. Did you guys watch the Super Bowl yesterday? I missed it. I was, missed tra- it. I was traveling. You missed the game. Yeah, it was, uh, this was supposed to be our hangover special today, and uh, this is going to be uh, much needed. We're pretty excited about, we're pretty excited about, uh, <laughs> about, about this. So. Well, hopefully we can get you guys set straight. Yeah. David, what do you think? Uh, you don't have a... It looks great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for some fun. Yeah, amazing. This stock is, like, really, like, intense. Juan, how common is it to have a dish 
um, like Pho, you know, where it goes from the north to the south. Like it to, it, the whole country is covered in with, with kind of one dish. How common is that? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, like if you go, like you know, if you look at the cuisines that we cook in our uh, in our in our places, like Ashkara, for example, I mean that's just tribal food. You know, I mean people yeah. there were nomads that were going around the areas, and um, you know there's African influence and Palestinian influence and you know Israeli influence and all that type of stuff. So uh, you know, I mean, all these you know, and Marcus was just you know kind of educating us a little bit on the yeah. fact that you know the French had a a, a, a really big influence mm-hmm. uh, in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And uh, so some French technique, and, and, and David was talking about that earlier. Yeah. So all this stuff, you know, I don't know if it's like north-south so much as it is just a mishmash of, um, you know, of, through history. You know, if you think about history, right, you think about like, you know, this country came in and occupied another yeah. country and put some of there, you know. So India had influence from England. and What's up? Now okay. has influenced this is a super fun. British food more than, <laughs> more than yeah. anything. You go to London's got like the best curry in the world. So... Yeah, so I think it's more more huh. like that. Okay. You know, so and you know, if you're in Italy, you know, you don't necessarily have a ton of, you know, saucy, red saucy pastas in northern Italy, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like more like a southern Italian thing, and they didn't really even, you know, have tomatoes. You know, if you look at a at a, at a bolognese sauce, right? Marcus carrots, right? For the most part, that's where it kind of gets. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I think what people get wrong about bolognese is that it's not a tomato sauce; it's a meat sauce. It's a meat sauce, right? Um, so. Yeah, that cultural understanding, I think, is like one of the most, I think, important things about understanding and appreciating cuisine, but mm-hmm. also just the um, just how geography plays into it as well, mm-hmm. uh, and then cultural mores and understandings, and mm-hmm. um, just uh, you can learn a lot about a culture just by what they eat and what they produce. Yeah. And how I think they a ton, and it brings people together to have the conversation. It too, sure does. That's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's the big thing. That's the greatest thing. You ever go to fuss spot? Me? Yeah. Um, Fun 95. <laughs> like, yeah? Okay. Yeah, that's for me. Um, the girl that I, I date occasionally, I should say, <laughs> is Vietnamese. So. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Vietnamese and French. Yeah. Yeah. There's this place called Pho King Rapidos. Okay, where's that? Pho King Rapidos. Oh, that's my boy. It's a new food truck that just opened up. That's my boy Long. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Long, he used to work as the... Tabernetta. As the manager at Tabernetta, but also works at a fine dining like awesome. restaurant. He has a new concept called Oak Rapidos. You can find it at night markets too. Oh, yeah. nice. Shout out to Long. All right, Hi, all right, all right. Let me see what we got here. Yeah, just so we just garnish it with all these fresh herbs uh-huh. here, the culantro, basil. Um, I like a little bean sprout, mung bean sprout for texture. Um, I can eat this stuff like popcorn. Uh, and then just some of the meat from that like pick from the chicken. Super simple, but like, Smell all the herbs coming out of there. Yeah. What kind of spices did you put in there? Uh, I hit it. I toasted up a whole bunch of anise, a little bit of clove, a tiny bit of fennel seed in there, Mm -hmm. Um, lots of onion, heavy on the onion. Okay. Yep. I mean, this is like a. This is beautiful. Yeah. It's incredible. You know. We got chopsticks. Yeah, we got to get some. We got to get some some utensils, some tools to get into this. That's pretty exciting stuff. So we're gonna break off here. You know, when we come back, we're gonna do what Juan, where Juan eats. God, man, definitely the day after the Super Bowl. It's a big day. Yeah, yeah. where Juan eats. And we're gonna be going to Low High, and we're gonna go to the no, well. Just, uh, Talk to my, my buddy Dino. Um, I love the well. It's, it's a New York style pizza and uh, and calzones, which you don't see a lot of calzones around, uh, and that's something that I grew up with. So I'm pretty excited to expose everybody to that. 
Uh, when we come back, we're going to eat a little bit of this pho. Uh, and then, you know, I want to talk about, uh, you know, our show on Wednesday. You know, we have uh, the Clayton, uh, which is a new property that's going to be in Cherry Creek, and I'll tell you a little bit about that. Off the break. Hey, you guys. Jay here with the Modern Eater Show. Thanks for watching. Don't forget about our YouTube and Instagram channels. A lot of killer content over there. Throw us a subscribe on YouTube. Throw us a follow on Instagram. And thank you for supporting TME. We couldn't do this without our amazing sponsors, so let's check them out right now. Very proud to be part of the, the Modern Eater. And uh, chefs, restaurant owners, any food service operators... You know, I know right now that uh, delivery and carryout is bigger than ever, and we got you covered. Uh, Cambro uh, has a full line of uh, delivery and carryout items. More economical options are expanded polypropylene or EPP, a uh, nice insulated container. Uh, the ProCard Ultra is really versatile. It's a great unit because you can actually store cold products down here, hot products up here. It's all 120. There's no refrigeration worries. It's all thermodynamics. Just let us know what your food service challenges are, what it is we can do to help you out, and there isn't anything that we can't do for you. So uh, hope to see you over here at our facility in Park Hill soon and uh, stay safe out there. You know everybody, with several million dollars of hard assets here, insurance is very, very important to us. Ewing Levitt covers it all. Machinery, building, workman's comp. Ewing Levitt's got us covered from the floor to the ceiling, from our alley, even to the street. This divider, this press, my cooling conveyor, my oven. Ow, ow! Ewing Levitt covers our counter stacker and our employees too. If you need insurance, take it from Little Rich at Rockalitas. Call Ewing Levitt, they'll get you covered. go home. I strip down to my skivvies. All right, here we go. I got it. I got it. I got it. Hey, everybody. Steve Gould from Golden Moon Distillery and Golden Moon Speakeasy. When I get my cocktails to go from Golden Moon Speakeasy, I go home, I kick back, and I watch The Modern Eater. <laughs> skivvies. Hey, I'm a Marine. It's skivvies, man. Welcome back to Studio Kitchen Colorado, home of The Modern Eater. Juan Padro sitting in for Greg Hollenbeck with my guy Jay Parker, co-host Ben Higgins. We didn't have chopsticks, by the way. I had to do this. <laughs> eating his pho with his fork. Yeah. Uh, we had Chef David Hadley on today, a really good friend, and uh, he's got an incredible samosa shop. Um, Marcus Ang, Blake Stein from the Culinary Quick Start Program. Yep. And we had Denise Mickelson on, uh, the editor of 5280, who's always a terrific guest and just, again, dropping knowledge on us. So uh, we're going we're gonna to do the Clayton in Cherry Creek on Wednesday. So I'm super excited about that. That's a uh, Soho House-style property. Uh, that has 63 rooms. It's got a private members club, which will be, which is about 3,000 members. It's got seven bars and restaurants in it, including a rooftop restaurant that opens up to a pool. Uh, it's got workout facilities, and it's really, it, I believe, is going to change uh, not only Cherry Creek but Denver. And uh, we got some cool stuff to talk about that. They have, it's built on a foundation. 
um, and that was seeded by, uh, by BMC Investments. And uh, we talked about you know, incubating young entrepreneurs and things like that. That'll be one of the missions of the club. So super excited for Wednesday's show uh, at the Clayton, actually, not in studio. Uh, and I'm also excited uh, for Where One Eats, the well in Lohi, my man Dino. Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to The Modern Eater for another episode of Where Juan Eats. I am at the well in North Denver, going to see my good friend Dino, and this is some of my favorite pizza in the city because it reminds me of home, uh, and I'm obviously from the East Coast. Dino. What up, boy? What's happening, man? How you doing, man? You good? good? to see you. Always I'm good great. seeing you. I'm yes. I'm excited to be here. Of course. Again, we are at the well. This is a cool little pizzeria here uh, on Wyandotte in 32nd, and uh, just, you know, this this place really kind of like stirs up some emotion for me because where I grew up, um, you know, as a teenager and, and, you know, after baseball games, after hockey games, you always went to your local pizzeria. And that's part of the culture that I miss from my home. This place kind of reminds me of that. It's pretty awesome. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to uh, getting a pizza and some calzone. Yes, sir. We don't see a lot of calzone out here. so It's hard to find a good calzone in Denver, but we got some good ones here for sure. Awesome. Awesome. You going to make something for Let's me? Let's do something. Let's Come go. on. Let's go. Give me your story, man. I don't know everything, you know, about you. You're from Colorado. Born and raised here in Denver. Okay. Uh, Wash Park area. Okay. You know, uh, been in Northside for a sh- for a, for a long, long time. Uh, my family's my mom's from Peru. My dad's Italian. Uh-huh. Uh, I've been making pizzas since I was 14 years old. So you're so. Peruvian and Italian. Peruvian and Italian. I yes. I know that. Yes. So okay. uh, got the good mix, you know. Good yeah. Foods incredible. And stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I just pretty, pretty much been making pizzas. Uh, been doing it. My mom uh, had a pizzeria when I was younger, so I've, I've always worked in pizzerias with her when I was a kid. Uh, ended up moving to Italy to work in the pizzerias out there okay. for a while, and they came out here and have been opening up pizza shops ever since. So this is uh, this is my third location here, but uh, it's the only one I have right now. And uh, cool little hole in the wall. Yeah, you know? it's awesome. It's an awesome local joint for sure. And I think some of the best sort of I call it East Coast style pizza. This is what it. Do you call it. I call it East Coast style pizza. Yeah, people All say right. what kind of pizza you got. I'm like, more New York style pizza. This is it right here. So. Yeah, there's not a lot of places, you know, that do that. You know, you got all the Neapolitan. That's kind of the hot trend. Wood yeah. Ovens, yeah. Like that, and that's all delicious. But so like it's comforting. To exactly. Me. I got deck a deck oven. right here. You know, it's yeah. stone. Um, yeah. Cooks up to 550 degrees. And this is the, this oven right here. Blagia obviously is 30 years old. So it has yeah. that flavor in there. Yeah. That's yeah. Um, that's but yeah, we're going to do a calzone right now. Put a little mozzarella. So the calzone, what made you do calzones? Because, you know, I never see those out there. But when I was in college at, at UMass, uh-huh. I mean, every single day I feel like I might have either, either thought about or ate a calzone. Cause it filled me up. It was so, incredible. like, how I do, you know, how I tell people, because people are like, what's a calzone? Yeah. Like, what's, what, you know, I say, you know, calzone more like a kind of like a folded over pizza. Uh, has anything you want inside. And the thing about calzone is ricotta cheese. Yeah. You got to have ricotta cheese in the and calzone. And that is a big, that's the big thing. That's it's the big delicious. thing. Yeah. You know, because, you know, people are always like, oh, what's the stromboli? What's the difference between the stromboli and calzone? Calzone has ricotta cheese. Stromboli just has its regular mats. Awesome. So your ricotta cheese, mm-hmm. right? And yes. that's going to give it, what, just a, a level of creaminess? Yeah, you, you know, you get that creamy. So you know how cheese, you, you want to cut it open and it's nice and gooey and creamy inside. Yeah. So it's kind of an experience eating a calzone. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, So and it's super filling and it's not that expensive, which no, is why not. college kids love it so much on the East Coast. And I tell people, like, you know, if, if, if you and your, you know, like, you're here with the couple and stuff, I always encourage people to order calzone because it's big enough to share. Yeah, look at that thing. Stuffed to the gills. Look at that, yeah. So what's your, your dough? You make it in-house? Everything's, every, everything's, everything's made in-house. Yeah. So yeah, so so this dough, I th- I think 
our crust is part of some of the best in Denver. Yeah. Uh, we we take pride in our dough. We you know we make it every day, so it's fresh every day. I let it rise for about ten hours, mm -hmm. and then I serve it. You know, and then uh, it's all about that. Uh, it's all about the flavor. You yeah, know? for sure. Incredible. I want to know a little bit more about uh, Italy. Tell me about that. I was in uh, I was in Naples. So okay. um, uh, I was what, this is back in 07. I just always wanted to go back to my heritage, like mm -hmm. where my you know where my grandfather and my grandmother's from. Yeah. So I went out to Italy and uh, met some cool cool people, and then uh, I, I was doing Italian classes to speak Italian, mm -hmm. and then this lady, I was like I was like my passion is pizza. Do you know somebody that wants to you know kind of like have me be like an apprentice? Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I met this guy Enzo, and he pretty much taught me a lot about the dough. The mm. dough is like the key thing that with like where he taught me and stuff. So, what were like what were some of the things that stuck out the most to you um, in working with Enzo? Um, just like the like the passion, you know, like yeah. like he believed in his product, you know, like what I did for the first month, I was making dough by hand, like how they did it back in the old country, mm -hmm. and and that dough would just pretty much be gone, you know. It was like it was like he'll like I'll make it and then. He'll throw it away, mm -hmm. you know. So, but so like, it wasn't, it wasn't where, where it needed to be. Well, like it, it, it was like he wanted me to, you know, experience how they made it back then. Got it. You know, and it's something like you know, like I'm over here like punching the dough for an hour, you know, for an hour, and then finish. And then he was like, "All right, cool." And then throw it away. I'm like, "Damn, I did all that for nothing." <laughs> like, <come on."> but yeah. like, it, it was pretty much like him, you know, show like to show me how it was originally, you know, right. formed. You know, so yeah. Um, but yeah, that was like one of the best experiences I've done in my life, you know. And, How long uh, were you there for? About about six months. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, incredible. Yeah, so. something you know, like just to learn, just to meet people, and just be in the business, you know, right. like a pizza, and that pretty much like kind of grow my passion for. Did you feel like the Italian people were super welcoming to you? Oh my you? gosh! Yeah. yeah, like 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 there was a time where I'm walking down the street and I met these two guys. Um, I was grocery shopping. I met these uh -huh. two guys, and like he, they're like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'll just do a shopping." Like, come, we'll make you lunch. Really? You know, I'm yeah, like, I, I go to this like, little apartment, a little small TV, you know, making, they're making, you know, their marinara from scratch. And then, you know, oh, they're for like two, three hours. Yeah. Stuff, you know, drinking some wine. and Yeah, that's pasta. incredible. And I kind of get that sense of uh, hospitality when I walk into the well, too. Everybody's kind of hanging out. That's it, it, it feels like every single person that walks in here knows you, too. Yes. And that's how it is here. Like, yeah. I, I, I want that personable feel. I want to be able to mm. talk to every customer and say, yeah. hey, how, how's your day? Or like. You know, how's your kids doing? Like, right. like, there's times where I've seen a kid being a baby and now five, six years old, you know? So it's just like seeing. I know. That's crazy, life, right? You know? Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. And that's why I love to do what I do because I get to meet a lot of cool people. I went back to, uh, to Massachusetts where I'm from. And I grew up actually in a smaller town in Massachusetts, about 60 mm -hmm. miles west mm -hmm. of Boston called Charlton. And, uh, and the Greeks made the pizza there. Um, yeah. It had kind of like that super cheesy, tangy red right. sauce type stuff. And, um, and, uh, and I went back. Uh, we were moving my mother out of the house she lived in for 50 years. And I went back and I sat in the pizzeria. And I, I sat there for like an hour. And I was like, man, all these memories just get drawn up, the, you know, the local pizzeria. And it's just like, it's just something that, you know, being out in Colorado, which I love it here, mm -hmm. you know, but, you know, the culture is a little bit more tacos and yes. burritos yes. and stuff like that. And I just miss this. And that, you know, anyone who's watching from the East Coast, I would encourage them to come in here because they're going to get that same nostalgic feeling that I get, which is, yeah, uh, which is pretty awesome. And that's what we try to do here. Try to do like yeah. that, you know, you know, bringing it back from when we were kids and stuff. Right. I, got, I know me growing up. Mama had a pizzeria. I used to walk from school to the pizzeria just to be there. Right. You know, go back there and watch everybody make pizzas. Right. And, and then me growing up, and I'm able to do the same thing that they were doing when I was, you know, younger watching them. You know? Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's the awesome thing about it. 
So you're half Peruvian. Is right. there any Peruvian influence or is there anything that you've learned that's helped you with your Italian food? Uh, not necessarily, but like, uh, like the one thing that my mom always taught me is the passion. Like, right. you know, like people tell when they eat the food, it, it's, it's love. Yeah. You know, love behind it. Yeah, you we know, talk about that with soul food and yeah. stuff like that too. Does it? Uh, and it's like an Italian food in particular, Italian American food too. It's all about like the grandma. You think about the that's, grandma that's cooking at is, home, you know. And and you know, I don't know why it tastes better. I don't think there's any science behind that. But I think what you're talking about is true. I think I think you can taste the passion in food. And that's what it is. You know, like you know, like even my grandma back in Peru. Mm. She she's Italian. Mm-hmm. You know, lived in Peru, and just like being in the kitchen and like it's like this felt all the love, you know, mm-hmm. going in her marinara and, you know, making fresh gnocchi and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's like her passion was to make me feel, you know, hungry, and I, like not, not hungry no more, like full. Yeah. You know, because her, any Italian family, like if you go into the <laughs> kitchen and they, they ask you for the food, you better eat the food. I know, I know. You know? And I don't know how you stay <laughs> as, uh, as slim as oh, you Oh, man. man. It's, 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 yeah. it's one of the hardest things to, you know, you know, having a restaurant. You yeah. have one, too. So it's, it's yeah. tough because you want to taste, you want to be able to taste Everything. Everything. Make sure yeah. the quality is still there. You but know? pizza's a f- one of those things you can eat every day. Oh. Like, I don't know. I, you know, people like who love pizza, they're like, I can eat pizza every day. I can eat it warm. I can eat it cold. I can eat Neapolitan. I can eat East Coast style. I can eat now this Detroit style things going on. Right, right. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's, you know, the dough and the cheese and just everything that you want. And it just makes you feel great. And, like, the thing about my crust, uh, this, I, see, I seem different to other people's crust. It's, it's so light. Yeah. Like you can have a whole twelve inch pizza by yourself, and like, damn, like I eat the whole pizza by myself. Like, right. wow, I can't even believe it because like most pizzas are either heavy, yeah, a little thicker. I do like more like the New York style thin crust, you know. Yeah, and is that that's just the dough recipe? It's not how you're cooking it or anything like that. Well, you know, a lot of it has to do with the, you know, yeah, what yeah, the dough for the lightness. Yeah. But the, the thing about like another key thing about making a good pie is your oven. You gotta yeah. know your oven, right? You know, you gotta know your hot spots, your cold spots, you know. Right. And like I've been having, like I've worked with this oven for you know for years, yeah. You know, so I know this oven pretty well. Yeah. You know, I always tell people it's all about how you cook the pizza as well. You know, you want to yeah. be able to like get that nice crisp to it at the bottom and stuff. Mm-hmm. The sauce, yeah, and I miss this kind of like tangy, like thick red yeah. sauce. Yes, so good. <coughs> How's that calzone looking? Ooh, look at that! Oh, wow, yeah, that looks ready. That's, that's beautiful. I like to put it on the stone to get the crisp on the bottom of it, because that, because okay. that's like one of the hottest things on the on, in the oven is the stone, because it just absorbs all that heat. Okay. You know? Yeah, that way it doesn't get soggy when you're eating it. Exactly, on the because yeah. you want that crisp, right. you know? And that's the thing about having stone that I love compared to, to other ovens and stuff, because you get that nice crisp to it. Wow, look at that. I mean, like, that's like a, a meal for, for two, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> and then I do my, uh, my little secret. What do we got here? A little garlic butter. Okay. Get that nice little... That's where it's at right yeah. there. Get that nice little shine on it. Yeah, for wow, sure. That looks gorgeous. So, yeah, so that's your typical calzone, you know. I cannot wait to cut into this. Jeez. Wow, beautiful. And it's I can smell that garlic, too. You smell that garlic, garlic, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so what do we got? What's our cheese mix here? Just so I do I do a 50-50, like an East Coast blend. So uh-huh. we get the part skin, the whole milk, because mm-hmm. uh, you want to get that that creamy cheese. You yep. want to be able to, like, when you pull off the slice, you want that cheese to, like, kind of, like, mm-hmm. stretch out. That's when you know it's really good cheese. Yeah. So I, I, I like using a 50-50 blend. Cool. And what are we going to do? We're going to do meat? What do you want to do? I don't know. Let's you see. Let me know. I got, I got all the options right here. All right, all right. 
I want peppers. You want some peppers? Olives. <clears throat> and I think just straight pepperoni, man. You want some pepperoni too? <clears throat> I think so. I love pepperoni pizza. All that saltiness and fattiness. Yeah, it's, and it's, 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 yeah. it's a classic, you know? I, I like to do, like, when I go to new pizzerias and stuff, like, my thing is just to get, like, a plain cheese. Yeah. I want to be able to taste the dough, taste the sauce, and taste the cheese. Yeah. I know. Plain cheese. <clears throat> a, plain, a plain cheese pizza is, like, one of the kind of, I don't know, just most relaxing things for me. <laughs> it's comforting. Right. Yeah. Like, like, my dad, my dad always told me, he was like, you go to an Italian restaurant, the only thing you order is spaghetti marinara. Yeah. Because it's all about the marinara. If the marinara is good, that means pretty much everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be good anyway. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So that's this pie right here. Throw this in this bad boy. Let that cook for a few minutes. Why do you, why do you think out in Colorado that there's not more uh, East Coast-style pizza? Uh, a lot of people from the East Coast out here. I was talking about that the other day. Like, there's no the bodegas. There's no bodegas out here. Yeah. You, don't, you don't go to, like, there's, like, the butcher, like, your local butcher. Like, yeah. there's... There's a few out here, but not like how back east is. Right. And I wonder why, like Italian yeah. delis, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's some cool Italian delis here, but not like how it's out there. Right. You know, out everywhere. Every town has Everywhere. Every like, single town. Like you go to every and, neighborhood. And I remember like when I, you know, when I was living out there, you know, Saturday morning, I would wake up, I'd go to the farm, I'd go to the farm stand, mm -hmm. get my vegetables. Mm -hmm. I'd drive to a sausage maker yep. to get my sausage, you know, this guy, Edward, uh, uh, Ed Norton's Beats. Um, I would go to a butcher shop, which is separate from that, right? If I right. wanted to get any cuts, yes, special yes. cuts or anything like that, I'd go to a seafood market, and it was like almost like a it was like pageantry, you know and what I'm saying? What was, like yeah. you're going from place to place, and it was my routine, right? And it just it you know it made my weekend like fulfilling to me. Of course. And then I went home, and I would cook, and, and I, I would have friends over, and that's kind of what it was all about, right? And uh, yeah, so that's you know that's that's what uh, you know this type of place stirs up those type of memories. I would, I would, you know, I, I love that whole, <coughs> that East Coast hustle, you know, mm -hmm. like, like you were saying, like go to different spots, you talk to everybody, right. everybody knows you, right. you know. Uh, I, I love that. So that's why I, here I, I try to, you know, duplicate that, like, you know. It feels like it, you know. This definitely feels like an yeah. East Coast pizzeria. Right. Is, and people and always say, uh, hey, where you from? Like, what, you know, part of yeah. Denver. I'm like, I'm, I'm born here in Denver, Colorado. Like, well, <laughs> I feel like you're from, you know, back east and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. All right, let's check this pie out right now. Look at that. Look at that crust. See that nice that little golden crust? But the thing about that is the bottom's not golden. See that's all white down there? Yep. You don't want that. You want it to be nice and crisp. So that's where the stone comes in. The stone gets that that heat in it, in it, in it, and it cooks the bottom of the pizza. Because right now it's just the, the top's cooked. You want to be able to cook so like an even cook throughout the whole pie. There's not a lot of things I get more excited about than seeing cheese bubble up on the top oh, of man. pizza. I can't right? wait to cut, over, cut this that, thing up. Look at that crust. So yeah, and it's quick. I, that it's, that it's browns up real quick. It does. It does. Okay. It's that heat. You know, we got 550 degrees. So wow, that's incredible. Look at that pie. And like the best thing about a good pie is when you cut it right, you get that nice crisp sound. So it's. You hear that? Yeah. Oh man, that's like it's like it oh sounds like home. <laughs> that's what you want to hear. You want to be able to hear that nice crunch when you're cutting into the pizza because you want that nice crispiness. I like I like my pies crispy. Yeah, I'm the same way. So there yeah. you go. Nice, nice well pizza right there. 
Let's, let's go. Get it. Let's get it. All right. We just got done making these things. I should yes. say Dino did. Uh, I <laughs> cannot wait to dive into this. This right? is awesome. And, uh, you know, I haven't had a calzone in a while, and I'm super excited about this. So mm -hmm. I'm going to get in here. I got my side of marinara. Mm -hmm. uh, I got this. Look at this thing. Look at that thing. Yeah. Jeez. That's incredible. So, you know, if you haven't had a calzone, um, I would urge you. Mm. Really good. Mm. <clears throat> really, really good. Stuff with meat, cheese, peppers, the whole thing. So, I love your background. I think it's super interesting. You're a community guy. Yeah. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit about like growing up and what was it like sitting around a table with your family? And oh, it was awesome. You know, like, like I was telling you, I'm half Italian, half Peruvian, but I was more raised Peruvian style because my, my Italian family were always lived in Peru. Mm -hmm. So that's crazy. Your Italian family lived in Peru. Yeah. So like my grandparents, they migrated to Peru during the war, World War II, back in 1948, uh, yeah. you know, and, uh, and that's where my mom and my dad met was in Peru. Okay. In Lima? In Lima, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. My, that's I, in my opinion, the best food city in the world. So. No, the ceviche there yeah. alone, oh man, it's, it's incredible. Are incredible. Um, but yeah, so like, like just being here with my moms and my, you know, my grandma and my grandfather, like the person who I looked up to the most was my grandfather, you know, um, and just like just hearing stories and, mm -hmm. you know, just eating good Peruvian food. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing about that is when we go to my grandma's house, we always ate in the kitchen, you know, right. You know, my grandma right there, table, TV right there, watching her novellas and the oven right there, stove, just a bunch of stuff cooking up and stuff. So, um. Yeah. That was a cool thing about so I was able to watch her cook yeah. and enjoy conversation with my grandfather. That really comes through in, in your, your style of hospitality. Yes. And we talk a lot about it in our industry. It's, I think, one of the things that um, you know, has disappointed me over the years is that hospitality typically has been judged in the media. It's mm -hmm. like Northern European mm -hmm. you know, style. Yes. And I grew up with a Puerto Rican father, so right. very similar. I mean, mm -hmm. you walk in the house, you're going to get a hug. Of course. You're going to eat food. Yeah, it's going to be lively, you know, conversation's going to be spirited, yes, yes, <laughs> you know, yes. all that type of stuff. No, for sure. So, pretty exciting stuff. You, got, you, know, you know, that's the cool thing about, you know, growing up in a Latin family, you know, everybody's so close. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's us, you know, families first, you know, enjoying, you know, breaking bread and talking about, you know, good old times and, you mm -hmm. know, where, you know, where my grandfather and my grandma came from. And right. that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the cool thing about about that is you get to hear stories that you never even heard about, right. you know? Passed on from generation Yeah, exactly. To generation. So that's, that's, that's the cool thing is, is just the storytelling and stuff is the best thing about Very it. Very cool. I got to get into this pizza. Yeah. All right. So look at this. We, Dino talked about the stretchy cheese. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Yep. It's awesome. Mmm. Oh, good. You like that? I love it. Yeah. It's got kind of a tangy sauce. Mm-hmm. Saltiness of the pepperoni and the olives. A little crunch from the peppers. Yes. Yeah. Full. And the biggest thing with East Coast pizza, mm -hmm. of course, is the fold. The fold, yeah. You got to be able to fold it. You want to fold it, yeah. Right. So that's how, that's how we do it out east. It's that fold. Mm. Wow. Of course, I took the biggest bite I could possibly <laughs> get. I'm probably going to eat all this after we're <laughs> done filming. So. Why not? Amazing. Do you know? Yes. Come out here and give me a hug, man. Oh, man, it was, it was lovely. awesome. Always, always good hanging out with you, Juan. My man, yeah, of course. All right. Well, thank you. Awesome. This is where Juan eats.